0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Walk Show Podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Neer. As always, the music for the show is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you, Misha. This week, we are joined by Brent Basham, who is a co-founder of the platform Podit, which is a website that connects podcasters and guests. I personally use Podit, and it is responsible for some of the guests that you've heard here on The Walk Show. While I'm grateful to Brent and his colleagues for providing Podit and the opportunity to connect with guests, Brent is actually here today to discuss the book, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. While I have not personally read the book, it's something that's been on my radar after I was blown away by How to Win Friends and Influence People, mostly because with both of these books, I had an impression that it was really just completely baseless and inaccurate. I thought that both of the books were, um, I don't know, I guess the dreaded self-help kind of term, and, and they're absolutely not. They, they, are, they are personal development. But they are both incredibly insightful, and there's a reason that they're as popular as they are. Brent has read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People book multiple times and found it to have a profound impact on his own life. Brent was very generous with his time and walked through a high-level review of the book and each of the habits contained within. Brent is somebody that I resonated with as soon as I met him, and I was very excited to have him on the show and, and really blown away by the conversation that we had and, and just the, the contents of the book and and also just his thoughts and insights surrounding those ideas. While Brent didn't write the book that we were discussing, again, you know, he's really obviously spent a lot of time considering and internalizing the lessons contained within. As always, the conversation winds around as we cover the topics of the book, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I definitely had a lot of fun reporting it. Uh, without further ado, let's get on to the show with Brent. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Brent Basham, thank you so much for joining.
1: I am glad. The typical, I am glad to be here, Walker. So excited (laughs) to be here, right? Which is actually true, but also so cliche with podcasts. (laughs) Hey, I mean, you know, we've got to introduce you to the
0: audience. You know what I mean? They don't, if we just start talking, they're going to be, they're going to be confused. They're not a smart
1: bunch, my listeners. Okay, fair point. Neither am I. I fit in really well.
0: (laughs) Sorry, folks. Um, No, so, so Brent actually, um runs a company called Podit. Um, that is a, a website that um, connects podcasters and and guests or vice versa. Maybe a guest is looking to be on a podcast. Um, and it's just a, a, a really cool platform uh, that I personally have found value in. Some of the guests that you guys have heard on the walk show have been from my connections with them through Podit. Um, yeah, Brent and I met a few months ago back at Podfest, and, uh, really hit it off and just had a a great time together in Orlando. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of gave a high level summary of pod it, but do you want to talk about kind of what pod it is or where it's at or where it's going? No, I mean,
1: that's, that's basically it. I would say that I'm, um, more of a co-founder, and I, right. you know, sometimes I'm, I'm the mouthpiece, whereas there's a lot of really smart people, or I don't, I don't even want to say behind me, beside me, and it's real sure. collaborative, so I want to make sure that I definitely, if anybody hears that, that there's a lot of really smart people, but it was birthed out of uh, being a podcaster, I think that's pretty relevant, you know, so I did a show myself, and I love being part of that, having a voice, I love you having your voice in the world, and people that might be inspired to have their own podcast, or be guests on podcasts, sure, that's the way to do it, um, but we connected to not talk about anything about that at all, really. Um, so we're going to talk about a book. So uh. we are. Yeah,
0: we are. Well, and and it, and it ties in, though, um, because, it, you know, you're an entrepreneur. And the the book that we want to talk about is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. um, which is a book, I think, from my read, and I'm, I'm looking at the other computer screen now, 1989. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, a little while. Right, right. Well, I mean, like I, like I was telling you before we started recording, I've got an episode on how to win friends and influence people, and that was written in the 30s. Yeah, so, right. So you're, right. you're up, and up on the modern stuff here with 80s content. Uh,
1: you know, I stumbled onto this, I think, at one point, you know, in full disclosure, my dad was interested or taking that road down the Amway path. Um, mm. which is the multi-level marketing and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. one of the aspects of those type endeavors that I think really does help facilitate growth is the personal growth and, and the reading and the exploration of all that kind of stuff. And so will will get down the rabbit hole of the other side of that. But, but with respect to this, that book, uh, I stumbled onto it as like uh, maybe a teenager, 16 years old, something like that. And it's interesting coming back to. I've read it a couple of times, and coming back to it now in preparation for this episode because I know I told you, Walker, Walker, this book's amazing, and you're like, "Hey, let's talk about it." And I was like, "Oh <laughs> crap, I probably need to go back and read it. It's been probably ten years, um, so I don't look like a fool." Um, but yeah, so it's it's sold like forty million copies, and uh, in preparation here, I went ahead and did an outline, which I haven't done since my my podcast days on uh, Digital Dads. I didn't uh, haven't done an ep- uh, haven't done an outline since then. And man, I'm telling you, honestly and truly, this book is so. Just going back through it, it is so full of so much wisdom. I mean, it it literally, it's not cliche or hyperbole to say it will impact and change your life. Probably just from some of the stuff we'll talk about here. It's 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 no wonder it sold forty million copies. It's up there in like Harry Potter domain. Right. Right. That doesn't just happen by accident.
0: Well, and so I, I'm going to derail you ever so slightly to kind of just talk uh, briefly about at least the kind of the broader subject of, you know,
1: personal you development. You want to talk don't you? Okay.
0: <laughs> um, but no, of, of personal development or, or the, the, the nastier term self-help, um, I've <clears> been <throat> someone who was very anti self-help books for a long time, which is why it took me until last August to read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Sure. And I think that there's often a, a big stigma around material like this because people think that it's, um, I don't know, corny, hokey, sure. I don't know, it's steak oil. Um, and, and man, like when I read how to win friends and influence people, like that's actually just a book about how to be empathetic. Like that's actually the lesson of the book yeah. the whole way through. Authentically, is right? Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, And so then it wasn't at all snake oil or hokey or corny or anything. It was very earnest and and it's like, oh, well, this is why this is so popular. Yeah, Um, right.
1: and it's not about tactics or or snake oil at all. I think what happens is you have this idea in your mind and it's actually the the enemy of progress. You have it in your mind that you kind of know everything. And the problem is you don't know what you don't know. You aren't even aware of some of these principles. And I would argue that they are, in fact, principles that do work. Period. Mm-hmm. We, don't, mm-hmm. we don't we don't break ourselves against the principles. The principles don't get broken. They they go about you know, having an effect, an impact on our life, whether we choose to acknowledge their existence or not, doesn't really matter. So right. if we let arrogance get in the way of that and get in the way of our growth. Sure. You know, And right. I was there. I was there. We're all, you know, human. But when you start to open up that door and he even talks about it as we get into this book, the very first thing he talks about is how to have people have different paradigms. Right. And until you can acknowledge that there are different paradigms and that there's some truth in some of the other ways of looking at things, you you don't have any chance to grow past where you're at. Your effectiveness right. will stay low.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think that, you know, I, I I had someone ask me recently about the self-help stuff, and they thought that that, you know, it wasn't wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And and what I explained <laughs> to them is something I try and emphasize on the show a lot, which is that the world is not made up of of red versus blue or black versus white or one versus two or whatever. It's not binary. It's, mm-hmm. it's all a grayscale and it's all nuanced. And so when it, and, and that applies to this as well, all self-help is not, is not silly and all of it's not excellent. There's a scale, right? There's a sure. spectrum. Some of this stuff is awesome. And some of it's bad. And like there, there's one book that I've read that I've talked about that that's been a huge um, part of my daily routine. That's called the miracle morning. The, the routine that the guy suggests in The Miracle Morning, I found to be excellent. Mm-hmm. He is a horrible author, though. You know what I mean? Like, really? the book mm-hmm. is kind of hard to read because it's it feels like it was read or written by a marketing person. Gotcha. Sense, right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but that doesn't mean that the whole of the book... So my point being that there's nuance even within that single book where it's like there is good content. Right. Well, you do have to read some, like... What is this like, young adult fanfic? Or, you know, what are we What are we getting right. through here, man?
1: Well, and some of it, you know, some of it I think has to do with a certain, having a certain degree of self awareness. And part of that is with respect to the labels that we use on things, right? And, you know, for a long time, self help has been. This sort of dirty word, but in reality, if you were to go talk to a psychologist because you had a severe alcohol addiction or something like that, the psychologist helps you, sure, gives you a different perspective, a different paradigm, a different way of looking at everything, and then the actual transformation happens inside your own mind. So in a sense, it's still... It's self help, and if you're looking at a book as self help, I mean, the author is doing the exact same thing. They're presenting you with a different point of view, a different perspective, and the transformation happens inside your mind. It's just self guided, you know. Right. So you're the one that has to take initiative. If anything, though, I would argue that that takes a bigger level of effort to have that. You don't have the or it's the accountability on you reading a book. It's right. all internal. You don't have someone calling you for an appointment. You don't have that external accountability, and that can make it tough you know right. and and but i have absolutely seen in my own life and other people's lives and it doesn't mean to suggest that anybody ends up being perfect after but better than before 100%. and yeah. i i would argue that if you've not ever read a book like this before and you would sit on the sideline and criticize or say that it's garbage i mean that right there tells me everything i need to know about where your current state of mindset <laughs> is. yeah right because no, that- you're you're having zero objectivity whatsoever
0: Right. No, that's a, that's an incredibly fair statement. Well, thank you for, for going down that little side road with me. I just wanted to kind of get that out in front of it because like I said, people will, will act like, you know, again, like it's a, 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 a bad thing or something. And I just, I couldn't disagree more. So
1: well, I mean, think of this. I'm on here, you know, sharing this with you because of the impact that that book has had on my life. Right. I don't get employed by them. They're not sending me a royalty check. There's zero. <laughs> right. The only motivation I have is to maybe in some way have a, have extend that because when you've learned something that's that's i don't want to i don't want to overuse the you know transformative you learn something that actually makes an impact or some kind of difference in a good way on your life your tendency is to want to share it with other people that you care about and that's that's what's happened there so i think that's testament to the book too and i think as we go through this it it, i don't have to convince anybody of anything i think if it resonates with you great and i think it will with a lot of people and if it doesn't then you know no harm no foul go on about your day yeah Um, absolutely you know Drinking the, whatever pill it was that you take for matrix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The, the, the blue pill I think is the one you take to go back. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll we'll start. Um, I mean, you're the, you're the expert here as I have not read the book.
1: (laughs) I have an outline anyway. I don't know about expert. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'd be curious, to since you haven't read the book, I'd be curious as I kind of go through some of these points, like your take yeah. on some of this stuff. Sure, too, sure. Walker. Yeah. So, again, the first thing he talks about in the book, and this is all like in the introduction, but he talks about, you know, a, this is all about a paradigm shift and how we all individually see the world. So, for example, two people could say, see the same thing disagree and yet both be right because they see things differently and there's a couple of examples that they do and this is one of the great things about this book is they do have examples and stories to illustrate everything Mm -hmm. um one of them was this harvard university uh they did some experiment where they had this this drawing and it's like and one way you look at it it's like an old woman and one way you look at it it's like a young woman it's like an older it looks like it's maybe from the 20s or something but what they did was And it's sort of a mashup of two hand-drawn images. And what they did was they extracted those so that they had two images. One was the younger woman, one was the older woman, and they showed it to two different classes. And then then they brought the classes in together, put both the images together, and said, okay, which is this? Well, of course, the ones who had already been predisposed to the one perspective believed it was a young woman. The other group argued vehemently and also correctly that it was the old woman because it was both and it took them finally starting to break down those walls and try to ask questions and kind of move off their position of rightness to start Mm -hmm. to see what was actually there. And like you said, the truth was somewhere in between. It was more gray than it was binary.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that is, that is really interesting. And I, 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 like the, 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 um, the use of the phrase paradigm shift, um, completely unrelated to self-help stuff at all or anything or, or personal development. But so like in, in stories, um, Game of Thrones is, is a good example. Uh Spoiler alert for anyone that didn't read or see that yet. But so like in, in season one of Game of Thrones, like you think you understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, it seems like ned stark's probably the hero of the story right and he's probably the guy that's going to ultimately prevail because in this world of chaos he seems to be the only one who's like reasonable mm-hmm. you know for lack of a better term um and then he just unceremoniously had chopped off on the steps and <laughs> gone done right and it's just yeah i mean there's right, just, well, what there's,
1: wait what happens now
0: yeah and so that's what i i call that as a paradigm shift where it's like it just completely shifts the way that you understand how things work. And like for me, and and again, that's in a fictitious setting or whatever, but that's really, really engaging and exciting. Um, And so I think that that things like this that can cause that kind of paradigm shift in real
1: life (laughs) are even more fascinating, right? Um, But it's a great example because You know what you experience there when is when that beheading happens um, (laughs) is you experience a degree of jarring emotion. You're surprised, you're jarred, and what's happening is your perspective on what's true is completely thrown off. So it's a perspective change, really. Like you said, it's a paradigm shift, and but it's uh, it causes a emotional sort of response to it because it's so impacting. You know. And, and we yeah. don't always see. It. I think I love that you brought it up about fiction because we don't always see it. It's a little more, I would say, subtle and nuanced in real life in in terms of some of these things we're talking about. But that's sure. in a very you know normally most people I don't know don't get beheaded in public, um, at least. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, so that's very you know wow that was a big change of events. Here's point A. Here's point B. And wow, but normally right. it's a lot more subtle than that. I think in in reality for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I totally totally agree. Um, And I think that it's a really interesting point talking about how two things can be true at the same time, despite seeming like they're mutually exclusive. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're not really. Right. Um,
1: Yeah. He is another uh, brilliant example real quick. So imagine you and I are sitting across from each other at a table and hanging above us uh, between us is a sphere. And half of it's painted blue facing you and half of it's painted red, whichever side of the matrix you want. We can switch it around if you want. But the point <laughs> is you can only see one color and I can yeah. see one color and we would likely sit there and argue back and forth until, and I think this is pretty important. One of us gets up and comes around to the other side of the table <laughs> to see the other person's point of view. Yeah. Right. And that takes courage. That takes admitting that maybe there's another way to see this. I won't go. So maybe I'm wrong, but maybe there's something more here. And largely, if you look at how we treat things, we don't always do that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it so I got into a conversation with a, a fellow last week um that I don't, I'm not saying his name, so it's fine, but it kind of veered into <laughs> this quasi racist territory. Um and I was very uncomfortable with some of the things being said to me. Okay. Um, but, and so if I go around to his side and try and see it, I, I can't, right? Sure. But what it did instead is it caused me to have to go and, because he's citing stats and, and you know, I'm using air quotes here, but data, right, to try mm-hmm. and back up his positions or whatever. And so what it, it forced me to do was go – and look at my own positions, and make sure that what I say, I think I really do think, and mm-hmm. and and really make sure I'm grounded in why I think that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my point, just being that sometimes you might go around to that other person's side, and maybe, maybe, maybe they they weren't right. Maybe it's not actually red on their side,
1: right? Like, oh sure, but so. But- I would challenge that a little bit. Not that not that the actual so we're dealing with the surface, right? So sure. what what trying to understand another person's point of view might be, well, what's underneath the racism? Is there fear? Like what's right. what's the so as human beings, and we're all admittedly completely flawed and terrible human beings, I think we tend to silo each other as like one person's bad, one person's good, and yes. really we're all hot mix of everything you know yeah it doesn't mean that their behavior is appropriate or that i would ever agree with any of that what it means is maybe some degree of understanding about what's underneath or where they're coming from or what's driving that And i still may disagree but that act of trying to understand is really the best i can hope for in any given situation and you know what yeah there's still people that are going to act bad and even in some cases act bad intentionally
0: yeah, well, and that, and that's why I, I didn't want to say the person's name or, or anything, and not that anyone would know them anyway, just a friend of mine. But but the point just being like, I don't think that the individual is a, at their core a bad person, and and frankly, I don't actually even think that they're they're truly a racist, right? Um, but they're espousing these views, and I guess my point is just that like sometimes you again you might go to the other side of the table to look and see what they're seeing, yeah, and maybe it still doesn't mesh mm-hmm. with with your understanding but then the value of that can be well maybe now you it forces you to look more introspectively at your own beliefs and your own sure. ideas which is still a healthy thing to do right because it's really easy to get get out on a limb somewhere and and maybe you decided something 10 years ago and you're like yep that's what i think about that and it's like yep check yourself you...
1: before you wreck yourself <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah right
0: yeah i absolutely. couldn't mix
1: like rap in there and i can i can yeah, i have that that's... in my repertoire
0: Yeah, just for the audience's awareness, uh, we will have a freestyle session coming up later. It will
1: not include me. (laughs) You're solo on that. Zero sick beats coming out of my mouth. I promise you that. Um. But no, so I, so I, I like it because
0: so, so, so far, what you've described is again like the book is immediately trying to talk, really to some extent, about empathy. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. isn't using that word, Mm -hmm. but about understanding another person's perspective. And that might be requiring you to really go around to try and see where they're coming from as opposed to uh, just shouting at each other and <laughs> staying, yeah. staying there, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, and, and it's based on what he talks about is based on the idea that principles – govern our effectiveness and so just like gravity governs a physical world his argument is that principles govern our ability to be effective and he goes into the, each of these and it's just being able to acknowledge that that exists in the world and the whole paradigm shift idea is not so much i think it's to kind of preface you to getting into these habits is that if you don't acknowledge that there are other ways of thinking if you can't even bring yourself to that point what follows isn't going to be of a whole lot of value to you, right? Because you right. have to be able to have an open mind to things and understand things. And sometimes we're resistant to that as human beings. I mean, there's a consistency bias. There's a whole, we did a whole episode of my old show about different biases of our brain and they're basically shortcuts. And it's pretty amazing how biased we are, all of us about right. certain things. Right. And so I think being able to break through some of that with, with the book helps you get in the right frame of mind to maybe um, adopt some of the things that they talk about after that to actually cause impact on your life.
0: Yeah, that's something I've been um, really considering a lot lately is that, you know, we, we, we constantly want to talk about and we as a collective we not not you and I but we teach people techniques and we think that techniques are are what people are missing. Mm -hmm. And and that definitely is true in a lot of situations. Like, so I don't, in no way am I trying to steal the value of learning techniques, but, but to speak to what you just said, like more important than the technique is just, do you believe in it to begin with? Like, do you believe that this could work? Do you believe that this is possible? Do you believe, are you open to these things? Which is really kind of a belief in just, again, that being, it being possible that your mind could be changed. Um, And it's like, again, to the, I think the point you just kind of made, the techniques are kind of irrelevant. If you don't have that belief, like if you're not going into it with that mentality or that mindset of, of something else could be different, the techniques won't, won't matter because they won't resonate. Right. So, no, um, I don't know. I, 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 there's a lot of teaching of techniques. I'm interested. I, I don't know how to teach someone how to believe, Right. Like I know techniques that will help a person believe. Right. But if they don't believe that they can do them, then those techniques won't help. You well, know yeah.
1: And I think that's a good point that, you know, underneath it and, and he does get into a lot of those. But underneath it is desire is a part of this. Right. You, right. you have to have a desire for something to be different and be more effective and effective maybe is a bit of a, a trite word a little bit, but effectiveness in relationships with your family, with work, this value. And, uh, you know, part of the beginning of the book, he talks about how some people may achieve outward success, but inner success, they're just lacking. And so when you start to read this, and, and again, I'm just, doing the best I can. It's a mouthpiece for the book. So obviously he has a structured way of going through all this, but, sure, but, but as you walk down that path with him, you know, it becomes really, really clear if it resonates with you that there's opportunity for growth, you know, and if it doesn't resonate with you, you, probably weren't in the bookstore in the first place you probably definitely weren't in the air quote self-help or personal development or whatever you want to call it that section you weren't picking up a book about seven habits i don't need any what is this garbage you already have a negative paradigm or perspective about all of this and so i would personally say it's kind of like this growth model that once you get to a certain point you look back you realize you've grown and you realize it's like my child you know they think they're right and they don't have the perspective of, of being an adult and having the experience and the knowledge that I've gained. So, you know, we have a negative perspective on things. It tends to, you know, what you believe you can or you can't it tends to come true. You know, whatever you your mindset yeah. has an enormous impact on your life. Um, but if you don't see that or definitely if you don't acknowledge that or believe that then you just shut the door right there and none none of this really matters to you. You just go on to the episode about game of Thrones and you know, there's no more references (laughs) to that probably. So uh, you can safely, but, but, but but if you do have something and you do have some kind of desire and you do get that, maybe there's more and something is pulling away at your, your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, that you just know that, right. And you know, there's something more there. You know, there's a connection between me, you as friends that supersedes any physical domain then you maybe take a step and, and you know, one bit, one, what is it, uh, in the matrix, one more, you know, step down the rabbit hole or whatever, follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole. And yeah, there's yeah. a part of some of us that can't help but go down the rabbit hole. We know there's something more.
0: Well, and the reason I bring it up is because for a long time, um, stuff like this didn't resonate with me. And, and I would always hear people talk about, like, well, you have to want it. And then I would be like, is something wrong with me because I don't want it. And and this is kind of a <laughs> too much all at once, but I, I've I've come to the conclusion that I actually don't believe in willpower. I, it, in some case, I guess. But my point being that all action, all action, whether it be purely philanthropic or whatever, <clears throat> is driven by desire, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you don't have the desire for something, it's probably because you don't believe that it would be effective. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like. So that, that's my point to people is just like, if, if something like this you're hearing and it's like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I have that desire, like, well, then I would probably say, look at your beliefs, mm-hmm. because that is what's going to then dictate your desire.
1: Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. He talks about uh, centeredness in the book at some point and what's your center and what, you know, and, and admittedly at my age, there's been times where I've been more on my center and felt more in alignment with who I really authentically want to be and times when I've just been, I don't know, letting something else take the wheel. You know, Uh and and certainly in those moments, I'm probably less receptive to the things that would propel me forward. That's Uh my paradigm. You know, that may not resonate with somebody else. And certainly I wouldn't um, criticize somebody for being in a place because, you know, I'm at my place in my journey. You know, I mean, who's to say what, when, where, why? Right. Um, Right. That said, wouldn't you want to share something? And wouldn't you want to, if something made a profound impact on you, 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 I think your obligation to that scenario is to share the yes. receiver does the receiving. It's kind of like um, it's different, but it reminded me, I was telling my daughter the other day and she's 10, by the way, and these are the kinds of conversations we talked about Um, the ability to respond or react or, you know, react or respond and all this kind of stuff, which is in the book, but we're talking about, um, I had given some money This was before pre pandemic actually, but, She'd asked me before about like giving money to a homeless person down and, you know, and there's certainly an argument to be made about them taking it and doing whatever with it. Right. And I've done it in certain ways that's tested me sometimes um, because I was like re- resistant to it. And then I felt something come over and say, well, no, you need to do more now because you didn't want to listen. And so, and I've done that before, but the point is not about me. The point is about like, so what I do in that situation and given situation is about, you know, if what he does with the money is about his character. If mm-hmm. I have the means and the ability to give and there's a person in need and I don't do it, that's about my character and who I want to be. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, sure. Any of these scenarios and, and, and th- that's what's so great about this book. He has six, seven habits. The last one is all about just like sharpening the saw and renewing the, the whole thing. But the first three are about becoming, moving from dependence to true independence. And then the next three are all about because we live in a connected world moving from independence into interdependence. So it's an inward out focus, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like character build first on the inside and then you can move that out. Now, of course we don't live in a situation where that all happens in silo. You can't just go whole off for three years while you build your character. You know, obviously it has to happen a little bit in parallel, but he does argue that it's a bit of a stair step. That if you don't go through the steps, it's very hard to be effective at the later steps when you have big glaring holes in the earlier steps. And I think that's going to logically make sense to people as they as they understand that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of a house of cards effect. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't if you don't have the stronger foundation, um, yeah. No, I think that all that all makes a ton of sense. And just to be clear, and I, I I don't know how you interpret it, but just to be clear if someone doesn't have the belief in it, I don't mean that as a criticism of them as much as kind of if tr- in trying to understand, like I said, just for my own self, trying for a long time to understand, like, why can't, why can't I uh, incorporate these new ideas or these new habits?
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and ultimately the conclusion I came to was like, well, it's because I don't believe that they can help. Sure. Right. So that's why. Um, so not as a criticism and, and also not as a guru, I certainly have plenty of stuff that I'm still not doing oh my that I like, should be doing. Same. So I don't Let mean, me... like I believe everything appropriately yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, the stuff that I'm not doing that I I intellectually think I should right. but internally have mustered the belief for yet or you know Oh I mean? yeah
1: we're uh, look i'm over here espousing <laughs> all this stuff and passionate about the book and i am um and a total freaking you know mess of a person like everybody you know we just sure. keep trying to do better every day and be a little bit more than we were last week and last month and last year and fall yep. down and get up and that's that's the human experience i think but um yeah. that doesn't take away from what he's put together in the book you know sure and, sure no not at all um certainly can help and impact some people um yeah so one of the things so okay the way he describes it is a maturity continuum so you have to you move from dependence independence and then into interdependence um the first three like i was saying is about moving to independence which is like the self mastery and the private victories and then the second three habits are all about the public victories that's where teamwork and cooperation and all that stuff lives here but i'll touch on habit number one is being proactive Mm. that one i really love and i actually talked to uh my son about uh, a lot which is your ability to you you have this stim whenever you have a stimulus and then a response right and it's the acknowledgement that there is a space in there and he's got some great examples of language like there's proactive and reactive right so reactive will be there's nothing i could do that's just how i am he makes me so mad and it's all this language that's sort of externally focused. And, it, and I, I would argue, and I, t- I talk to my kid all the time, I'm like, you can do that, sure. But you give away all your power because you're putting everything outside of you, which you have no control over. Right. Only thing you can control is yourself. And so, and I I, I even told my daughter, Kenna so sweet, but she's stubborn as a, as a mule. Oh my gosh, she's insanely stubborn. <laughs> um, And and probably gets it from me. So I can't really, can't really sure. criticize it too much, but, but <laughs> she, she argues and, and she blames a lot. And that's, you know, she's 10 and that's normal. Right. <clears throat> and I told her the other day, I said, I don't really care about you, like getting this or whatever, like doing this or whatever else you're 10. But what I do want you to understand is like, do you understand there's a difference in, responding to something and reacting to something. Do you acknowledge that there are two paths? And that's the only thing I really want to work on right now is her to understand and deeply get the fact that there are two paths. Whatever you do is not the point. Get that there are two paths, because if you can start to acknowledge that you live in this space of cognitive dissonance where you know, it's there, but you're not exercising it. And I think you can start to move toward exercising a little more, which increases Mm -hmm. your power over circumstances, right? Right. I'm an emotional yeah. person. I'm a talkative person. I can overrun people. And I could just say that's how I'm wired and blame that. Right. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. reduces my effectiveness and ability to do all sorts of things career wise, occupationally, on a podcast. Right. So, you know, there's power there. And that's the point.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that's, um, I mean, that's a lesson that I've, um, definitely learned myself and, and tried to, to share, um, with others as, as much as I can. Um, it's, you know, it, it thoughts, control feelings, uh, perception dictates reality. <clears throat> and all those are, are especially perception dictates reality, <clears throat> excuse me, are, 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 very cliche. And I think that they're very misused. I think that phrase specifically is very misused because people will say it in reference to the way others perceive you. Yeah is the reality of who you are. Like that's how they're, they're talking about it. Right. Usually when it's, it's actually like, no, like, however, th- there's, there's a distinction between truth and reality, right? Something can be true. The easiest example I've ever come up with for it is let's say you're in a room with a stove. Well, if you think the stove is on right. And it's hot, you're not going to touch the stove. Mm-hmm. Now you yeah. haven't verified if it's on, <clears throat> believe that it's on you're not going to touch the stove because you don't want to burn your hand right but if you're in the exact same room with the exact same stove and you think it's off you will be a lot more carefree around that stove and i I mean i i mean i don't know who's partying around a stove but you see my point like a lot of people yeah (laughs) it's it's regardless of the truth of the stove whether it's on or off right what you think and believe Mm -hmm. is what will be real for you Mm -hmm. um And, and so uh, what you're talking about, just when, when it's like, you can only control yourself. People think that it, that, that it means external behaviors a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, oh, well, you can choose not to, to, you know, shout at that person or something. That's true, but it actually goes a level deeper than that, where it's like, you can actually shift the way that you think about Mm -hmm. it, that you perceive it, Mm -hmm. and that will just change all of the range of behaviors that are available to you, right? Right. Like all of the emotional responses you can have now change based on your belief, which is again, your perception. Yeah. the way you, you see it.
1: Yeah. There's a brilliant point in the book too. And I think this was uh, one of Stephen Covey's, the author. I'm not sure if we mentioned that or not, but one of his personal experiences about exactly what you just said, where, um, you know, the thoughts in your head, changing the way you react or respond to something. And he was on a train and these kids, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 years old kids were just going completely crazy, um, nuts and unruly and just causing problems, maybe kicking whatever. And so finally the dad was sitting there just, not even paying a bit of attention, just completely, you know, zoned out, not even caring. And finally, uh, Stephen Covey said to him, Hey, you know, uh, which I imagine took a bit of, you know, to actually say (laughs) something, but it gives you an insight into how probably bad behaved the kids were. But (laughs) so so he said something to Dad, And I guarantee you this will change your response right now in this moment. He said something to dad and Dad said, I'm sorry. And it's a true story is that I'm sorry. We just, I just learned that their mother died i don't know what to do i'm checked out right. i'm sorry and all of a right. sudden everything about that interaction does a 180
0: perfect because because
1: your thoughts change your perspective yes. changed and it's right. completely different
0: right the kid but the truth is not right no. the
1: kids are still unruly on the train it was all still true
0: still not doing anything it's all still the true is different
1: right. right yeah so pretty powerful stuff man i yeah i i absolutely think so
0: um I think that people, you know, for me, I I learned the lesson uh, most profoundly through the passing of my father, um, because when it comes to death, like you can't negotiate it, right? So there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing to do about it. And I and not that I think that it, to learn that lesson you have to go through, you know, some tragedy or some traum- traumatic type experience. But I think, I think for me personally, before that, I definitely kind of thought I could negotiate everything mm-hmm. with with other people, you know, instead of understanding that really it's my own sh- perception that I have to change. It's not convincing them of X or Y or Z. It's it's I have to to shift, change how I interact with it. And that then changes how it can interact or how they will respond, if, if that makes sense. For
1: sure. Yeah. And it's but, it's I don't think it's, uh you know, I would argue that I don't want to say argue, but I would suggest that maybe people are successful – from successful families, because some of this stuff they just learn at a young age, whereas some of us have to unpack what's been put on there and then kind of get to a place in maturity where we can open up to new possibilities of how to think and how to interpret things. Um, Yeah. You know, certainly if you get a golden spoon or whatever the expression is, that helps. But I think largely it's the principles and the way of thinking about the world and the perspective and the paradigm that gets often passed down, you know? Yeah, Yeah. no, Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I think that's entirely true. And, and, you know, every person as cliche as it is, you know, the, everyone's a snowflake or whatever. It, it is true that every person is their own unique individual where we're not snowflakes is the things that we encounter and endure, mm-hmm. right? Like the problems that you face, someone else has faced it. So you're not alone on that, mm-hmm. but the specific way that you internalize <laughs> interpret and see things that is unique. And, and so my point just being, there's not a Again, it's not a criticism of someone if they're
1: if they ha- if they're not there yet. Yeah. I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, all of this and like you said before, the book you read before, all of this should be taken as an effort to help people yeah. when and if they're ever ready to learn something that might be yep. of use to them. If they're yep. dismissive of it or don't want to, no problem. No worries. You know what I mean? Sometimes yep. we've all have our journey. So yeah, I would never criticize someone for not having a certain perspective. Yeah, I know a lot of it, and I mess it up all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, well, so
0: so be proactive is the first is the first habit. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's something that's really come up a lot lately. You know, the the guy who puts on Podfest, uh, Chris Kremitzos, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Wow, I can't believe I just said that right. Anyway, that it, It's a long Greek name, folks. So <laughs> you look it up. And I you think say you
1: nailed after. it. I think you nailed it. Yeah,
0: I think I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he gave away a, a copy of the book that he wrote uh, at PodFest mm-hmm. called, called Start Ugly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, I mean, it's basically another way of saying be, it's like, just, just go. Like, mm-hmm. act, then figure out. Don't yep. figure out forever and be trapped in this <laughs> endless analysis of things. Yeah, right? for sure but it's easy to do that the cool um, thing
1: with that before we get up, move on the cool thing with that is when right. so there's this what he, what he suggests is that the stimulus happens and then there's a response and that there's a space in between the stimulus and response and sometimes it's so small through habits or upbringing or whatever it is that we jump right over our ability to sort of choose the response and it's more of a reaction. But what what's interesting to me and fascinating to me is, and I, I've learned this in my own life, the more you can start to live in that space and maybe think about how you're going to respond and the thoughts are in control a little bit more, the space gets bigger. And it starts to get bigger in other areas, and it's and it becomes a habit. It becomes a, a bit as much of a reflex as the reaction was before. So, but it's but it's probably in many cases for me years of conditioning. So, um, don't yeah. expect to like flip a switch with some of this stuff. It's you know this is for real stuff. It's stuff that takes a little bit of time, but it's eye opening. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so uh, just to elaborate, I mean, I, I, on the one hand, the words are obvious, but just to, to be clear, so reacting would just be kind of a, a snap, automatic. But yeah, I would say, it, yeah. And a response is more of a thoughtful, you're, right. you're, you're trying to select.
1: Yeah. To so I would say maybe like you yell at me, I yell back would be mm-hmm. um, mostly a reaction. Now, mm-hmm. if I understood that maybe that was the, what I wanted to do was yell back for reasons, sure. then it could be a response. But typically my re- response might be to temper my level a little bit lower than your level and 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 see if that pulls you down like to engage my mental faculties rather than just I think also yeah I think thinking through it I think it's engaging your brain a bit and letting the emotion sort of take the back seat to the brain a little bit which is hard to do admittedly particularly when adrenaline starts pumping or whatever else I mean
0: yeah I've I've definitely come to the conclusion lately that I I have a tendency to just get wrapped around the axle about stuff that that, that I think doesn't make sense. Now to be clear, not in my own life, stuff that other people do. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I think makes sense in that the consequence of it might not even be that significant, mm-hmm. but you know, it might hit me and you know, an, an email at work or whatever it may be that comes across. And I, and I think it doesn't make sense. And I will just, uh, my, my reaction mm-hmm. right to use language is is one of frustration or I you know I'll type out a whole paragraph telling this person off and it's like no like <laughs> this does not help you know what's what I mean? the outcome of that right exactly exactly and maybe I don't even need to like maybe I just don't even need to say anything you know what I mean cuz again the consequence of this whatever made up scenario is right it's relevant largely you know right well, uh,
1: it's not in that there's a certain response it's just that your ability to choose purposefully right. What your response is, rather than just react and whatever the knee jerk is to automatically happen, come hell or high water, that's what's going to happen. You know, whatever the damages are.
0: I gotta tie it back to the Matrix again. It's it's the end of of the third Matrix movie.
1: uh, There's a new one coming out, by the
0: way. I know, I know, I know, I I know. But it's, I mean, I want to be excited because I love the Matrix franchise. I mean, I have a Trinity painting on my wall. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know I love it. That's super Um, awesome. But um, but I also like. Are you guys really not gonna mess it up? Because I feel like you're gonna mess it up. Right? Is it Wachowski still, or I think it is. Like they did, they did a show on Netflix called Sense Eight. That okay. I I just thought was bad. Actually, I mean, and so did the world because it only lasted. Well, I'm going to be
1: cautiously cautiously optimistic (laughs) because when (laughs) I came out of the Matrix, the movie theater. Yeah, I looked around and I was blown away, like I've never been blown away before or after.
0: Talk about yeah.
1: paradigm shift,
0: dude! The, it's the only movie I've ever seen where, I, and I'm—I mean this as literally as I can—I was actually on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually scooted forward in the chair, leaned forward, mouth open, right, <laughs> just, <laughs> just in awe. Um, at least on the first one. I mean, the second and third one, I love. But at least I kind of knew what I was getting into when I went and saw the first Matrix. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know anything. No clue. My mom. I was a high school kid. My mom came home and goes, "Hey, do you want to go see this movie? It's I guess it's supposed to be good. It's called The Matrix." And I go, "What's it about?" And she was like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." So we went and saw it, and then yet mind blown. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Why do your eyes hurt? You've never used them before, (laughs) right? Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was just defining of our generation, probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, but so at the end of the third one, he's fighting Smith mm-hmm. and Smith's and Smith is just beating him over and over again. And he just says, why, why do you persist? Why do you continue? And he says, because I choose to. Mm-hmm. And my point is that it was what you just said is that being able to build this space. So being proactive about understanding the difference between reacting and responding and giving you the power to choose. Cause like you said, maybe you choose to, to have the response that would be similar to the sure. reaction. but the power isn't in what the outcome is. The power is in the choice, yep. which is the same thing with Neo. Like the machine doesn't understand why would you not do the thing? Well, it's an algorithm, right?
1: It does. Exactly. Yeah. The math problem works one right, way, right.
0: right? So, and so then for someone to choose doesn't make sense. Um, but that's where the real power is. And that's, that's yeah, that's very true. So Yeah, that's, that's a
1: perfect movie too, probably all over in for in terms of analogies for this book because it is. It's a paradigm shift. It's all of that. It really, really is. Yeah. Um yeah, I can't yeah, overstate. I, I need to get royalty uh, checks from The Matrix too while we're at it. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, Yanu, you know yeah, what I mean? Seriously. Me He's actually a really nice dude from what I understand. He might actually, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna email him after this, see if we can get get a little something, him. you know what I mean? We'll get him. Tweeting, when a new PS five so. comes out, you know, just shoot us, to this one, just a, just a little thanks, you know.
0: Yeah, um, maybe just share my podcast. Yeah, that, that's fine,
1: that's fine. Yeah, that would that would do it probably. Um, right. The Internet's boyfriend. I mean, what kind of a title <laughs> is that? And it's kind of like you're kind of like the Internet's boyfriend. What is? It? And you're, no, no, okay, I get, I get that. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, makes sense. If I was, I would make sense. So. Yeah, and he's so like you know just humble about the freaking thing. You know, like how I do know. you not like that dude? I don't know. I know.
0: Keanu eating a sandwich on a park bench. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah. So
0: lesson one, be proactive. Yep. Where's, where's step two go?
1: Yeah. So number two is begin with the end in mind. And, you know, some of these will kind of skip through, but I just want to give you a sense of everybody listening, a sense of what these are all about. So you can dig in on your own. But number two is kind of, again, getting into touch with your core values, understanding what your center is um, and getting to that core circle of influence. And, and I don't know if we said it before, but you were talking about something where you know you're worried about this or that on the outside. And he talks a bit about, and I'm probably jumping ahead. I don't know exactly where it's at in the book, but he talks a bit about something that stuck with me for years. Um, a circle of in a uh, circle of concern. So if you put mm. everything that you are concerned about in one big circle, and then inside of that circle there's a smaller circle and that's your circle of influence. These are the things you can actually have some kind of impact on. And his Mm -hmm. argument is that what people who spend their time largely in the outside circle, but not in that inner circle, so they're in that space where all the things they're concerned about, but they can't really do anything about, it really puts like inward pressure on their ability to influence much of anything. It actually makes that inner circle get smaller because they're always out there focused on things that are really, yeah, probably really big problems and really bad things that they can't do anything about personally. Or they're not actively doing things about – they're not taking any steps, right? It's just griping. And what I've just described to you is social media, right? Yeah, that's outrage culture.
0: It drives me so crazy.
1: Nobody's convincing anybody of anything. It's just a bunch of people angry about everything. And largely – I don't mean to criticize. Look, I'm right there with everybody. But largely, we're not living inside what he says the smaller circle, which is our circle of influence. Those are the things – like right now. This would be our circle of influence, or at least with the book and having this conversation. And maybe this could impact another person in a certain way, right? In some way, one thing we said, they go watch The Matrix or something does something of value to other people. And and so when you live in that space, what they he argues in the book is then that actually causes your circle of influence to expand. And so you actually can influence more things. And right. I would say you probably end up being a lot happier, too, because you tend to let go of some of the stuff you're not able to have much influence over. You know, awareness is important, um, but in terms of your effort and your attitude. Well, I think it's also, you know,
0: and maybe these words are wrong or incorrect because they're they're too harsh. Uh, And my point isn't to be harsh, but it's the truth is, is that it's kind of just disingenuous. Like, like, for example, and I'll use myself. I'll I'll pick on myself instead of the random Internet. You
1: pick on me if you want. I'm here, too.
0: (laughs) So this is probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. I, I don't know exactly how long, but but quite a while ago. But there was a, a kid who was 16 in Texas who was playing League of Legends, which is an online video game uh, that's famous for being toxic, uh, meaning that people type mean things to each other a lot okay. and just are crass and kind of vulgar, right? Um, so this kid types in the game chat after losing or, or whatever, um, I'm so mad I could shoot a school up, right? Tasteless joke. Yep. Sure, yeah, sure. Tasteless joke. Um, but, it, I mean, welcome to the internet. Yeah. Tasteless joke's about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not advocating that he should say it or whatever. However, what happened then was someone else screenshotted that and reported it to the local authorities, mm. which... Their credit probably a good idea mm-hmm. because mass shootings are a real thing mm-hmm. and people really do act on that stuff however the the uh, the authorities came to the kid's house arrested him on suspicion of terrorism which means that he doesn't get um the normal rights right um so they they search his home they search through all the stuff and there's just there's no evidence that he's actually planning a mass shooting, which is what he's his case the whole time. He's sure, like, dude, it was a joke. Now I'm a 16 year old <laughs> kid. I'm so lucky <laughs> that the internet was was way less than it <laughs> right, is now. Yeah. I was know mm. what I said. Mm. I actually I do kind of know, and I will never admit it, but it was <laughs> offensive. Um, but the point just being, so so this kid gets arrested, and there's no evidence. Within a day, they they have they they know there's no evidence of this. Well, this kid ends up being in prison for like eight months before he finally gets out which i i as a a, a foul-mouthed person gamer on the internet uh, you know now i'm a little older so i'm not quite there but that could have been me i guess is, is what i'm mm-hmm. thinking when i'm seeing mm-hmm. the story so i go on social media and again this is probably 2011 and share the story everywhere and sign one of those online petitions that super effective yeah no those, yeah. those change those
1: change things yeah
0: change.org i've signed, I think. Them.
1: I've signed them yeah
0: Right. And, and, and thought that I was like, and was like passionate when I would talk about it and like willing to be, you know, condemn the people that were, that had done this. And and I'm supportive of this kid. The truth though, man, is that I didn't send that guy's lawyer any money. I didn't, I didn't do anything except maybe technically raise some awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My point in sharing this whole story is that, it's easy. And, and I, it happened to me. It's easy to think that you're really invested in a cause or you're really fighting for something when, and you're not. And so then it, it, it like, it's, it, that's why I say dishonest. Isn't really the right word because I wasn't trying to lie, yeah. but I almost kind of was lying to myself thinking that I'm like this freedom fighter for this kid. right? And the truth is I'm not. And so then that leads to additional frustrations because the, the whole premise of me being this freedom fighter doesn't make sense. And so then anything that stems from that isn't going to make sense. It's the house of cards thing we were sure. talking about earlier. You know what I
1: mean? Sure. Um, and we all tell so ourselves any- stories, Walker. I mean, that's just our perspective sure. is based on that. So, you know, and at any given point in time, who knows what your perspective is? You know, I, I wouldn't. So it's, it's tricky because like you, I'm not one to want to criticize people. But I think as you start to understand certain things, you might evolve how you interpret the world and how you interpret your own actions in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's mostly growth, you know, more understanding is mostly growth. I just find we, we just, what, what you explained, (laughs) just,
0: you were right. You're like, that's social media. Like, yes, that is outrage culture. And that is something that I try and advocate (laughs) against as much as I can on the show just because it, it it it's not helping anyone, and it it's not help the people who think that they are are freedom fighting for somebody or or some idea or whatever. it's like it's not that the idea isn't worth fighting for. it's that if the only action you're taking is that you're tweeting about it or something, like that's just not right. That's not, well, let's
1: look at it. We've gotten through two <laughs> habits, so we're pretty much experts on the book at this point, right? So <laughs> let's look at it through the lens of that. So at the beginning of the book, he talks about. You know, per paradigm shift and also um where you uh let's see what did I lose my train of thought. So be proactive. So would you say most of that's probably pretty reactive on the internet on social media, right? Mm-hmm. It, definitely emotion driven, definitely not thought driven, mm-hmm. looking for outcomes, right? Certainly. Mm-hmm. And we talked about circle of influence versus circle of concern. I would say largely they're not living inside their circle of influence. We barely right. scratch the surface of this book. And already – and that's the first part, right? The first part is all about your your personal growth and your sort of – your self-victories on the way to cooperation and interdependence and all that other kind of stuff. So what he's suggesting is that when you're doing things this way, you're not going to be personally effective, and so you can never actually have the impact you want to – because what is it – you're yelling and screaming at people on there. You're actually probably wanting to affect change in some kind of way. Yeah. but the yelling and the screaming and everybody digging in kind of guarantees you're not going to convince anybody of anything. Right. Right. Nobody's going to learn or grow together. There's no trust. There's no, there's no, you're not getting to that point. Cause you're still back here in the first section of the book being reactive. <laughs> no, I mean, and so you know. this is a real, real, and you can see, yep. okay. Yeah. So in order for me to get to a place where I can be, well, you know, skip ahead. So um, habit four, think, win, win, habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood before I can ever get to those. I've got to learn not to be reactive. I've got to learn to be able to be responsive in a certain way and think, right? Cause if I can't do that and you hit a hot button and I blame you for making me angry, how can I ever seek to understand you when I can't even control my own internal, reactions to things i can never even open right. up that space enough to ever get to that place and that's why it calls it like a stair step or a continuum because right. there's things that have to occur first before you can ever get to that next level
0: right. yeah it's it, it you know it's funny Sorry, i went on so there on you but no you didn't no not at all it's the it's the it, it's crawl before you walk which again is a cliche that people would roll their eyes out and like yeah i get it I, that's another conclusion I've come to in the last in the last bit of time is that there are a lot of cliches. But the reason they're cliches is because there's it's your it's what you've said. There are principles mm-hmm. and we can use different language to explain them. But at the end of the day, principles, the principle, you know what I mean? Now, like I can at the end jump of the day, off the
1: Empire State Building yelling, I don't believe in gravity. Um, <laughs> right, well, right. I wonder how that'll turn out
0: bro. I would totally catch yeah,
1: you. Yeah. I appreciate that. It might take us both out from that
0: height. A penny off of it. I
2: think yeah. Don't care
1: I mean, the point is, you know, you, just because you don't believe in the principle doesn't make it any less true in reality. Right. Right. And so that's right. the idea. I think at the core of it is to gain an understanding about things that can maybe help you to get the outcomes you actually want. And that's what that second habit is all about is getting to the core of what is it I actually want? What What is the end for me? If I begin with the end in mind, what are my core values? What is my center? What is it that I really do want to affect change about? Right. And he talks about in there, you know, so, and, and he talks about how like you could be, do things by design or by default. And I would say that's like on purpose or accident. Right. So if you're not thinking about what, where you're trying to go, what is it in Alice in Wonderland? Well, which way do you, which way should I go? Where are you trying to go? I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. Take any road you want. It doesn't matter. You don't know where you're trying to achieve and right. You know, well, so I, this is a departure again.
0: Welcome to the walk show. Tons of departures. Um, so I'm reading this book right now called range. That's okay. by a guy named David Epstein um, and range is the, the, it's kind of, there's a, a large school of thought we'll say, I guess, or, or whatever that, that is that early specialization Yep. is always advantageous. This is in my Amazon oh, cart, by the way. Oh, it's so good, yeah. dude. It's such a yeah. good book. I, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it, early specialization is the way to win, mm-hmm. right? Like you always have your head starts. And intuitively, that makes sense because intuitively, it's like, well, yeah, you want to learn something. The earlier you started it, the longer you're going to have to master it. 10000 so hours, so
1: Malcolm Gladwell, et cetera, et cetera, yeah.
0: Right. I highly, I, I highly suggest and, and invite everyone to go um, on YouTube. There's a, a channel that's 92Y, so nine two and then Y. It's the 92nd Street Y. It's, it's in New York, and they have um, authors and just different—I don't know—different different individuals, mostly that I guess that I've seen. It's been authors mm-hmm. but they come on and interview each other. And Malcolm Gladwell and David Epstein have an hour-long conversation that they had in March. Oh, that's uh, March. brilliant! Yeah. I've, yeah, I watched it twice. It's great. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't spoil the book. Um, but it talks about a lot of the ideas in the book. Anyway, all of this is just to say that, like, and I, I want to be specific, because this is begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and what the book range really talks about is that the early specialization, the data actually doesn't show. That that is the the number one way to succeed in certain environments and in certain tasks. Yes, that's true. But for most people, you don't know what you want, especially the younger you are. Sure, right? Like if you're teen, you what do you know? You haven't seen anything yet, so you can't know. Mm-hmm. So the point being that I, I do think that begin with the end in mind is still true. However. Uh, it, I say, I guess I just want to caution against, again, getting kind of lost in that analysis paralysis. It's also okay to be wrong. Like it's okay. Oh yeah. To have an end in mind and that end doesn't come. And then this ties back to the be proactive, right? Yeah. Like back out and, 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 and maybe almost yeah. in a different sense than he is talking about be proactive, but it's, be willing to try multiple things. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I
1: completely concur with that. I think what he was driving at would begin with the end in mind is not so much. I mean, certainly if you're doing a project or whatever, you're going to have to like map it out. There's a blueprint for every house, you know, kind of thing now in, in the software development and what we're doing with with pot it, shameless, terrible plug, uh, completely out of context and sure to drive everybody (laughs) to the website. Um, But what we're doing with the website is, you know, it's iterative. It's, it's very agile. That's a, Term you hear a lot in software development now. And that's very much uh fluidity and changing, right? But you still, even in that context, you still have some idea. We're still thinking about what does this product need to be? How is it gonna serve people? There's still some intent sure. right now. As we learn more, that definitely continues to evolve and change. And I would say the same thing. But I think what he's driving at, and I've done a horrible job communicating um in my little quick notes before the show, was that I think he's talking about more about like principles like really beginning with your principles. And he talks a bit about like creating a personal mission statement. And so mm-hmm. I would say that probably those things, the core values tend to not be as, they tend to not be as, as changing as some of the other things. Right. Um, yeah. If you get down to the core of what you, you're, you're a friendly person, you probably value relationships that probably doesn't change over your life too much. Right, those sorts of things. You probably believe in generosity. Uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't believe in generosity. But whatever. I think those things probably are less likely to change. Um, and it's more of a a map, and you can go anywhere on the map because you have the map, and it's more of a basis. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I don't think you did a
0: poor job of explaining it at all. Um, Wouldn't be the first time. time I told you I had a podcast before. (laughs) So, no, like I said, I think everything you said is true. Um, I just and I I, didn't write the book. I've just been so. (laughs) <laughs> i've just been so fascinated by that range book and it is um and probably some of its bias on my part because it it's kind of reinforced a lot of things that i a lot of thoughts that i've had for a long time and, and frankly kind of the way that i approach this podcast we've got a huge variety of t- i mean we're talking about the matrix i've got a whole episode called in defense of the matrix where me and another guy sat for
1: an hour and just defend You're the supposed matrix to plug for, that with an know. episode number at this point after, i don't it's how it, i don't, I I don't know what <laughs> yeah remember. yeah some it's of these the can rattle off episode numbers of their past episodes and i'm like are you because i couldn't remember any of them
0: yeah you know, the thing is is no one if anyone was going to take that away anyway they're not going to be like man he said episode 47 right right i don't know what it was i don't called. see it 47 they're going to remember the matrix yeah. episode yeah. so whatever yeah
2: That's
1: fine. Um, no, but it's true. anyway. You're, you're absolutely right, though. I think that that definitely more and more. You know, I was talking to my son today. Actually, he's into audio video. He's doing really well in school. He's got a. a he's like a borderline A in Spanish, and he might get all A's. And but I say that because we talked a bit about like being broad in, in my experience at technology and the inclination to go very very niche, and that's important. But what I've told him is within my life, my ability to have some kind of people skills um some kind of sense of humor some of these soft things in conjunction with some knowledge about technology math science like all of these cumulative things restaurant management um for a long Mm -hmm. time have sort of given me a different perspective that i would say is probably i have some advantages from the breadth of experiences yeah you know yeah the the
0: and again we're not supposed to be <laughs> the episode isn't about the range yeah book, we're but, just we're, we're uh, gonna shift
1: and go into that now but you're gonna have to leave because i haven't read it
0: i'm not done yet so i can't either uh i i think i'll do an episode about it once i'm finished with it um but it just like i said it, it just it, it the the begin with the end mind just made me think of that um and again my point just being for people it's okay if you don't have everything that you know, people will always say like you have to know what you want and then go mm-hmm, after it mm-hmm. This. sometimes it is actually hard to define what you want and that doesn't mean that something is wrong with you it just means you probably need to go try more stuff and find what resonates what stimulates yep. right and then go from there right um but that all feeds into what this is because again it's be proactive yeah you know that's still step one in this and that's an important step. Well, trying something new like
1: reading range or, you know, going back, reading these books is, is really stepping outside and getting a different perspective. Again, a different paradigm that can help broaden or help you find where you're trying to go. And that may evolve, you know, like I said, I think core values probably for the most part, don't the ones that are really truly authentically you not the craft we pile on top later, but the ones that are really there probably are pretty solid, but yeah, over time, man, that stuff, you know, hell, I've tried all kinds of different things and, and potted is the latest one. Sure. But tried other things business-wise, I mean, yeah, life is an experiment, you know?
0: Yes, yes. That is that is maybe the best way, the the most succinct way to say it is it's just all, it's a lot of experimenting.
1: Um, and I've touched so... a lot of hot stoves. And I can't always say I didn't think they were hot. I might have been a little curious about what they felt like. That's just a little... My psyche is a little jacked.
0: That's fair too, but that still, that still doesn't change what I was saying earlier. You still touched it because you thought it was hot in that case because you wanted right. to. Right. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. Your perception of it dictated your reality. Yes, sir. So. So we've got step one, be proactive. Yep. Step two, and And
1: then number three, I think this one's really neat, and I don't want to get into it too deeply because, you know, obviously we're probably going to like you said, a five-hour episode, or uh, four-hour episode. But number three, and this is all that first block, right, so your own personal effectiveness, is putting first things first. I really love this one, you know, because I think, especially now, and I hadn't read this in a number of years, so there's basically, he draws out this, like, four quadrant, four quadrant little thing. And it's at the top, it's like urgent and not urgent. And then down the side, it's important and not important. And a lot of times we find ourselves spending our time in that urgent, but not important area with, you know, interruptions, certain phone calls, emails. I mean, my gosh, we live in a world of distraction now and Mm -hmm. it wasn't that way when I first read the book, but now I'm realizing, wow. And so the problem there is opportunity cost because that's effectively like putting out fires, you know, you're reacting, you're, you're not, you're sort of everything coming at you and you're sort of reacting to what happens to you and you're not sort of in control. The challenge there is in the stuff that's maybe not urgent, but critically important, like maybe things we could do with relationship building or recognizing new opportunities. Those are never going to surface probably short of, you know, a a death um, or certain things that could really be impacting. But before that, these things don't necessarily take priority because they're not urgent. They're not in our face and they don't, you know, and so putting first things first means purposefully, again, there's an intentionality about much of this purposefully choosing where we put our time and effort and choosing those important things that may not always bubble up to the top in the short term, but end up having a really impacting long-term effect.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes me think of the, the, um, Mm -hmm. that book I mentioned earlier, the miracle morning that's got, a whole routine that, that it, you know, suggests. And I would absolutely put that into the category of not urgent, right? Cause if I don't do that routine, yeah. no one but knows. Okay. And frankly, I might not even know and not care that day. Yep. So there is no urgency, but I do think that it's important because I've seen to, I mean, to put it as, as plainly as I can, cause again, it's not like I'm some guru now or, or that I live a totally different life but the way that my life is totally different since I started doing those things is I honestly, I just feel better a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like times where I used to maybe feel, you know, and I don't want to say depressed cause that's a, a clinical thing. And, and I don't know Down a little bit like, or, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use, like the, the, the space between those is a lot greater now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I hundred percent attribute that to the routine that I'm doing, which again, important, but not necessarily urgent. It'd be
1: easy know? to pass it off, right? Not do it. But what's the long-term effect or opportunity well, cost?
0: And then it that ties back into what I said at the very beginning. It's because I believe yeah. that it can, right? And then it turns out it does, but um but anyway, like I said, it just that's what that's what jumped to mind when you explained that quadrant. Yeah,
1: no, I love it. I mean, and it makes me uh I think I think It has in the past. And again, I'm just not getting back into this book now, and I'm anxious to read it again, to be honest with you. But it makes me uh, think about sectioning off time on the calendar to just sort of reflect and think about the things that are important and prioritize and sort of recalibrate and get back in an intentional way of living. Because, you know, when we were younger, we lived in a reactionary type of world. And now it's all that. I mean, our phones are constantly ping, ping. You know, it's just. There's yep. everything vying for our attention. And I think attention stealing is the enemy of finding those important things and prioritizing them. And it's sad. I have to say putting it on a calendar. Yeah, but that's how bad it's gotten is that you kind of almost have to purposely yeah. do it to make sure or find some kind of system uh, to make sure that it doesn't. Well, you know, it's it's important, but it's not urgent. So if it's not urgent, when do you ever think of it?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think I mean, uh, scheduling things out, putting things on calendars, you know, I I, I don't. I saw something that was, like, I think it, it was probably on Reddit, the 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 home of toxicity, but um, it was something like, someone posted something like, I think I'm a good person, and someone else said, only if you tell yourself in the mirror every day, mm. right? And they were kind An of flippant about, like,
2: okay. yeah,
0: and it, it seemed, and maybe I misread it, but it seemed like they were being kind of flippant about that, and it's like, yeah, but that really is, there really is value yeah. in that, like, that really is true, yeah. and if you don't take the time to to actually make sure that you know who you are, mm-hmm. you are very subject to someone else telling you who you are. And then you might not like that. You know what I mean? And now you're in a whole tizzy and it's like, no, if you take this intentional time to to do <clears throat> these things, to make yourself feel better and to understand who you are, um, to learn, to to have that space to choose what your response is going to be, all those things like, it's hugely valuable. um So I, anyone that scoffs at scheduling time to do that, I scoff back
1: at you, sir. <laughs> scoff back, scoff <laughs> yeah. back. It's like clap back, I guess. You could even do it. I mean, some people maybe don't use calendars. I guess a lot of us do now. But you could even uh we'll marry up a few books here. You could do it with Miracle Morning uh and how Elrod. You could attach it to a habit from Do Hig and go. Okay, and what he does is like. To start a new habit, he says one of the things you could do is attach it to an existing habit because that's already in place. And so if you can piggyback on that, it's easier to keep it in top of mind. So maybe in the morning first thing, you have a reflection period or like Monday morning first thing. And so it becomes more automatic. And then the key is getting into that intentionality of directing things instead of just letting them happen to you. Like you said, yeah, for sure. People will define for you if you don't purposely do it. It'll Things will go how they go.
2: Whether you steer the right. ship or
1: not, right. they're going to yes. go. The world yes, will move. Absolutely. Move on. So, yeah. So,
0: first things first is kind of about identifying priorities mm-hmm. and attacking, maybe is too aggressive a word, but yeah. But working on those first.
1: Yeah. And, getting to the stuff that may be sort of kicked a can on and really right. paying attention to that. Yeah. The important stuff that you might not get to. Yeah. And that kind of wraps up that whole first section on. Really, your personal victories and your your uh internal success, and then he gets into um four three others the think win win is number four seek first to understand and then to be understood as number five, and then synergize so think win win uh, and before all that he talks about when it comes to the interdependence, which is this whole second section, he talks about emotional bank accounts and so when you think of interactions with other people, you're making withdrawals or deposits and so if you've given a lot of deposits over time and then you do something stupid and you make a withdrawal, well, you tend to get a little grace. Uh, you don't lean on that certainly, but you you have shown and demonstrated over time that, you know, you care. Yeah. And and it oh, matters I, to people. I love that. I had a I had a
0: friend, um, I was working a, a shit job at a call center in my early 20s and I had a friend that was on my team with me and I was explaining that I didn't understand why – our manager hadn't reprimanded me for something and he used that exact language. Mm. He was like, because you know, it's a, it's a system of, of deposits and withdrawals and yeah, you messed up. And, and so that's a, that's a withdrawal, but most of the time, and this sounds like I'm being totally self-congratulatory, but whatever, the points is being podcast, like, most of the time, go for it. <laughs> it's, and it's named after yeah, me. So I awesome couldn't be any, okay. <laughs> um, uh, but no, but just like but but most of the time that wasn't my story. Most of the time I'm not on the radar. I'm not causing problems. Mm. I'm you know not in the eyes, crossing the T's kind of thing. And he's like, that's why because you've got an account built up of goodwill, mm-hmm. basically. Now, of course, you know depending on how egregious the problem sure. is, maybe that doesn't like you said. You don't you don't depend on that. And it's a work environment. That so there's is,
1: some external pressure. And right. Correct. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Right, sure
0: but that is absolutely true. Um, and I, and it's not just work relationships. It's all relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's deposits and withdrawals. Um, and
1: I like the language because, you know, it helps us to remember a bit more, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's real simple, clear language. Like, okay, there's a plus minus, there's a ledger here a little bit. Um, and I don't want to relegate a relationship to a ledger, but certainly it can, it can help you understand. Like I'll realize that I'm putting in too much work with our project or something, because it's, it can be consuming and, and, um, or when I was doing podcasting and it's like, well, I'm doing a podcast about being a dad. Am I being a good dad? Am I making enough deposits with my children or right. am I not? And so it helps to frame that in a way that I can remember it a bit more and, and make sense of it a bit more. Um, yeah, you know, no, I like that.
0: Like I said, I, I, I like that a lot. And I think that there's, um, I think it's an, it's an important thing for people to to understand. And it's important to understand that if you're only ever making withdrawals, that it, the the bill's going to come due, maybe sooner than you wanted. You know what I yeah. mean. So if you, if you know that you're going to quote unquote take from someone, whatever that means, uh, make sure that you gave <laughs> gave ahead of time, because otherwise it might not go so. Well.
1: Unless you with that, why you don't really care and you're just uh, leaning into taking. I don't know how much help any of this is going to matter for you at that point, but that's a different paradigm. Yeah. That's a different paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I. The yeah, rest, none yeah, of this I, might make sense to you, or, or even care. Uh, in that case, um, but the, the, the so he goes into uh, the first one is think win win, and you know those, um, predicated then as those withdrawals and deposits, and then you know a lot of this is about genuinely seeking mutual benefit, and he talks about how a lot of us that we take you mentioned earlier about binary, you know, we think in terms of these dichotomies of win lose or weak and strong, and You know, so this whole thing of think win win, it's a new perspective, it's a new paradigm. And what it comes down to is do I believe in complete abundance? Do I believe that there's Mm -hmm. plenty enough for everybody? Right. And so if I do, if I believe that, if I have that paradigm, then I can think differently about the possible solutions. But if I believe in a zero sum game, and I'm not even making a supposition about which one's right or wrong, I'm just saying, if I believe that it's a zero sum game where one person wins and one person loses, that will have an impact on my behavior and the direction we go. Right. right. And he, absolutely. And he suggests that, like, when you have plants, there's examples all around us. So you have plants that sort of, live right together right beside each other they tend to help uh, enrich the soil and they actually will grow better together than they ever would separately and that uh you know in uh, thinking rich he talks about the mastermind effect which is when two or more people get together that there's this sort and they really are working through ideas that this third entity uh, is there with them and sort of like the mastermind it's this idea that the two minds create such a synergy together that it actually creates more than them individually it's a, It's not a. That's why summation. It's, sorry, go ahead. No, it's not a summation. It's an additive. It's a plus. It's a bonus sort of a. Yeah. I
0: had no idea. So I've never. I've not read that book. But now I understand why all these. Uh... <laughs> entrepreneur groups or whatever are all called mastermind groups because it's all a reference to that.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, and even before that, uh, Ben Franklin had a group and he called it the Juno group. I I was going to do a whole thing with this at one point because, you know, I I think that there's a stigma around this whole mastermind group, but the reality is when people come together for accountability and in a small group, they can have vulnerability, which is key, right. And they can trust, which is key. All of these things noticeably absent from Facebook groups, groups where everybody comes in and a troll jumps in and derails you before you can ever get to a place of real growth except the Potted facebook group which is a lovely community those people yeah just just plug that but actually those people are really really awesome with each other but but it's but it's a facebook group right i don't have complete and total control over what everybody says and there's a certain degree of i think um timidity, if you're really trying, let's say you're really trying to talk through something that's personal or even business and there's, you're intimidated or you're afraid how people perceive you and egos get in there. And so it, if you don't have that small group of people where you can trust each other and help each other move forward. Yeah. Who do you, who are you talking to? How are you getting better than yourself? But the idea is that even though you have those, like, say five people together, that you're the end result of that is more than the sum of the parts. That's right. the whole point is the the um whole is bigger than the sum of the parts. And that's right. the win-win, right. right? Um so I think that's pretty powerful. But again, it comes from having an abundance mentality and and that's not fear-based. That's faith-based. So right. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely.
1: Um I I, I yeah, I think
0: that's an excellent point because I do think that people often look at situations of collaboration of even collaboration of there being like a winner and a loser mm-hmm. and, and there absolutely doesn't, doesn't have to be, um, and this probably isn't a good story, but I just, it came to my mind right away when I, so again, when I used to work at the call center, um, a lot of a players working at the call mm-hmm. center, as you might mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. Um, sarcastic. It's pretty typical. Um, yeah. so <laughs> we, I, I worked for, um, uh, the calls that I worked for represented Hewlett Packard, right? Mm -hmm. So we did support for HP notebooks and they came out with a new deal where HP notebooks had this built in, um, mobile wireless card. So not a Wi-Fi, but connects to like a cell phone network. Um, Best Buy was the only place that would install the card, right. Or or service it or, or something. But then Verizon was the network that it went on. So it's a partnership between HP, Verizon, and Best Buy, right? Great. So we're going through the training for this new product, and one of the A players in the room raises his hand and says, so you mean what you're telling me here is HP's getting little money in their pocket, Verizon's getting little money in their pocket, and Best Buy's getting little money in their pocket? That's what you're telling me on this. And the trainer just kind of quizzically looked at him and goes, yeah, which is just kind of how all business works. Mm. And the the point just being that like i mean like that seems like a really elementary example of it but it you know the the reason those companies are working together is because they are all getting they are all winning yeah. right they are all getting out of it but this guy at <clears throat> least in that context definitely didn't understand that 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 it would be that way it's like oh well these this guy is going to try and extract all the value and the other people are hosed and then when that wasn't the case like that it was, it was literally remarkable because he had to say something about it. Right. So he had mm-hmm. to remark on mm-hmm. it. Um, and I just, I found that fascinating. Like I said, it, maybe not the best story, but just, I don't know, just the idea of people wanting to look at things through this lens of someone's got to lose. And it's like, they, they don't. But, like, but, that's, and, but
1: that's a real paradigm. And in some cases that may be true, but if you don't even entertain the option or you don't see that there are possible situations where that doesn't have to be the case, then you know what 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 resonated with me is then you close off possibility. And right. the way I've always sort of thought and and I don't know, math science, I just I think abstractly. And anytime I'm like closing doors before I've ever figured something out, I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. And you know that comes to politics and everything. I just don't like closing doors. I think very very sort of across weirdly. I think uh, when you compare it to other people. But yeah. what he's doing there is restricting options, you know. Right. Because if he goes to a situation and he immediately thinks, "Well, people just as, as a rule, people just are out to get each other, and no one's gonna harm, no one's gonna get the better of me. I don't have a scarcity mentality." He might miss out on something that could be profoundly life changing for him, the person, and all the people that would affect, based I, on one paradigm. Right. And yeah, that's unfortunate because I think that that does. Tend to permeate throughout society, and the, the crazy part about that is the people that are convinced of that largely probably won't change their mind,
0: yeah. Well, I, you know, and I I know you said you didn't want to go deep on all these, and here I am. Let's go I don't know. For you, it. You, you really Focus. are three hours, but um, <laughs> it's something I think, especially at least in, in the United States and, and maybe Western culture largely, and maybe it's all of humanity, but whatever. I know the U.S. because that's where I'm from there's this constant emphasis on competition. Mm-hmm. And be clear, I totally think competition is valid. I'm not anti-competition. However, that's looked at and I feel like or emphasized to be like the thing that makes people special, mm-hmm. right? It's like how overcome adversity or how do you conquer this competition or whatever. How do you better yourself in order to win? And that is the way that the, the nature works, right? That's the way evolution works. It's it's competing for resources and can you survive? So again, it's certainly there. It's certainly valuable. There's certainly truth to it. However, I would argue that humanity's greatest strength is far and away our ability to cooperate. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which again, not that I'm like some genius for coming up with that, but just it, there's so much emphasis on competition, and again, there's value to it. But I really think that cooperation. Is something that's not emphasized enough and that's what look think win-win, that's what that's speaking to, right? Or the spirit of cooperation. Yeah, all of that uh, whole
1: second section is is all about cooperation. And I think you don't have to look very far. If we were only competitive, and that's exclusively that, we would be competitively fighting over woolly mammoths hitting each other with rocks. Right. We would have never because none of the advances all the way back have ever come from one single individual seeking their own, you know, selfish gain. Right. Well, and and it's funny,
0: like you look at sports, you know, the most obvious example of competition. um, And I think it was Jordan Peterson I was listening to one time on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how even that, even a sport, which is purely an exercise in competition, Mm -hmm. is actually – more largely, an exercise in cooperation yep. because everyone agreed to participate in this abstract, made-up game yep. to follow the rules and to watch and you know all of that. Like it's all actually one big cooperation simulation. That inside of that has competition, but, but inside of really
1: that on team sports has cooperation. You can right? cooperate yeah, exactly. the best. Right. You know, and even individual sports, that doesn't happen in a silo. They typically have coaches and partners and spouses and people who support them. So, yeah, you could go in this circle of, you know, evolution, but for sure, cooperation is. I don't. If I have to convince you of operation, if you have to convince somebody of cooperation is helpful to them, I. Well, maybe not that it's helpful, but just that.
0: Just remember to emphasize it, which is again why it's step four in this book, mm. or, or not step habit four. Is it's think win win. It's it's think and emphasize cooperation because, especially here, competition gets emphasized so much. And again, I'm not saying there's not value in it, but there's more value in cooperation because that's how all of this. I mean, that that's how all of it works. Yeah, <laughs> the whole world built is built on cooperation, and it might
1: be a paradigm shift too, Walker, for somebody to you know, it is for me certainly like, and again, I want to emphasize I have broken myself against all of these so many times, Um, you know, so, so, but if, when I realize that there is a a perspective of abundance, it helps me to uh, dissect or, you know, figure out the best path forward. And sometimes that definitely affects the way I think, or contribute to a situation, you know, And, and, and I like to try to think of situations that might be mutually beneficial, um, yeah, and there's reward in that, personally, and beyond that, I think.
0: But- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, well that makes that makes a lot of sense for that to be the first step on the the section of interdependence is think about how everyone succeeds.
1: Next one is, this is my Achilles heel. This is the one I suck at. I've sucked at my whole life. Um, Okay, so it's seek first to understand, then to be understood. I have a lot of energy, and I have a lot of thoughts, which translates to a lot of talking over the course of my life, and sometimes running people over. And it's crazy because it can come off inconsiderate. In fact, I would say it is inconsiderate, but it's it's not coming from a bad place. Right, right. Because I'm also one of the most caring from a male point of view. I'm one of the most caring people like I do care about people. And that's why I'm so excited to share the thoughts in the first place. Um, But what he argues or what he suggests is that listening, empathetic listening leads to an understanding of your differences in perception. And it actually leads to a place where you can actually move forward together
0: right yeah no i think that that's um <clears throat> i think that that's yeah hugely relevant um it's the you know uh, it's the it's the idea it's like that you you can't um you can't you don't hear with your mouth open kind of cliche right like it's the you listen with your ears which it's it's obvious but it's like to listen is to be silent right so to understand is not to speak now, this is coming from a person, me, who has so much to say that I had to start two
2: podcasts,
0: <laughs> right? Like the one named after me wasn't satisfying. I needed another one as well. Um, but the thing that I try and, and advocate and, I, you know, I'm sure I don't do a perfect job of it um, or maybe not even a good job sometimes, but I, I try and advocate as opposed to saying, here's how the world works, it's more like, Hey, this is a way that it it may work, you know? So uh, through my (laughs) nonstop talking, that's what I'm really trying to promote is the idea of like, Hey, let's try and understand this. You know, let's try and explore these ideas. I want to, I want to explore ideas more than I want to advocate ideas. Mm. If that makes sense. sense. And so I, I, but I think that there's a a ton of wisdom in the, in that, in that phrase, seek first to understand then to be understood. Um, Because the truth is, is that once you understand someone else's perspective, you may find that that there actually is nothing else to say. And I don't mean that in a negative way. You might, they do get it. I don't need to now spend a bunch of time explaining this to them because they already get it. I just didn't know at first because I didn't hear yeah. it. You know what
1: I mean? Makes total sense. Yeah, I think that um this also puts you within your circle of influence. Like this is something you can control. Right. Yep. You can actually purposefully listen. Whether or not I always do a great job of it is I do have that ability to. It is an option. Yeah. And that's where I could be more effective. Um so that's yeah. something I've worked on uh, interpersonally with my family, with my kids. So this one hits pretty close to home. Um, that being said, there's times on stage or otherwise where you do want to really have utilize that ability, but when it comes to interpersonally and, and one-on-one, I think listening is, is we all want to be heard. And, you know, that's probably a lot, a lot of us start podcasts. A lot of us, you know, you do, you want to have your ideas and your things validated and you're, you know, you want to explore things and it's important. It matters. I think, you know, getting to it now that I think through it, actually listening does a couple things. It allows you to understand. It also helps you make the other person feel important, which is hugely valuable if it's authentic. Yes,
0: yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely authentic is is key. Um, But this kind of goes, I mean, like you said, this is all a a series of steps building. Mm -hmm. And so then you can also take this back to step one with being proactive if you learn to create the space where you can choose your behavior, basically, then you can now execute this step more effectively, right? Because now when someone's talking, you might have the tendency or the impulse to to interrupt and jump in. But now, because you've worked on step one, you're able to, to, to choose how you interact. And now you can choose to listen more, which then, you know, again, leads to (laughs) all the other things that you're looking for. Better understanding Uh, for sure. Exactly. Well, and it, 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 you know, if you begin with the end, just to kind of stair step through these. So if you be be proactive, so you find a way to carve out space where you can choose your behaviors instead of just responding or or, excuse me, just reacting. Um, If you have the end in mind, meaning, you know, ultimately what it is that you're hoping to extract from a situation. And, And again, You know, earlier, you kind of kind of hesitated when you used a a transactional like phrasing about something and and extract sounds very transactional. Uh, But I it's just the way it works. It's kind of like it's kind of like the word selfish. The word selfish has a terrible rap because it makes it sound like you only care about you. But like I said earlier, at the end of the day, you only do something because you want to do it. I don't care if that's spend all of your time donating to a charity and working for others it's still because you wanted to do it. It's still ultimately a selfish act because you're doing it because that's what you felt like doing or that made you feel a certain way. Um, So anyway, it's, again, you're you're creating the space. You have an idea of what you want. You've taken the time to prioritize taking care of what's important first so that you're not panicked about things all the time. Mm -hmm. And now you can step in you're looking for cooperation with people and then you're learning to listen to people, but that's all possible because of all the other steps. I, I just, I think what you said at the beginning where it all builds on itself is just very true. So I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I can't take credit for any of that. He, he, uh, you know, 40 million sure. copies for sure. I mean, and again, 40 million yeah. copies of fiction books that may not be great books or they are, they are, but I think it, this is sold so many copies because when people read it, they tend to be impacted by it in some way. And then they tend to share it and they tend to get it right. from businesses. And, you know, it's like, oh, you got it. And then the boss buys it for the whole group. And it's proven itself over time because, like we said at the beginning, it's principle based. And even, yeah. you know, it's getting to the core. And again, you're going to break yourself against some of these. And if you go down this road, you, I think what happens is, at least for me, when you start to explore some of these concepts and this book and others, you realize just how much you mess up or how fallible you are or you get a different lens or view of the world um but it opens up options for really uh growth that you didn't even know could be there for yourself yeah
0: well and i mean a lesson the lesson that i apparently will have to continue learning for the rest of time is the you know you point one finger out and three point back um and so you know that applies to this stuff too so we're talking about think win-win and 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 you know, understand before being understood. And that all sounds like it's external, but that all can be applied internally as well. Like sometimes you need to take time to understand why it is that you think or feel a certain way about a thing, as opposed to just accepting that as just the blind truth of of the situation. Um, So yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think any, anyone trying to practice any of these things absolutely is going to stumble. Absolutely is going to fail, but that's when you kind of remember to, to try and apply these same lessons again internally to yourself yeah. and uh,
1: have patience with yeah. yourself and, and just be grateful that, you know, you're trying to learn and grow. Cause I think that that's, um, when you stop doing that, I think is when you really, uh, you know, I don't know, you can always change, but I just feel like, I hope I'm learning. I'll put it this way. I hope I'm continuing to learn and grow till the day I die.
0: You know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, what's engaging, right? It's what's, it's the, the zest of life, if you mm-hmm. will, is, it's 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 those paradigm shifts i mean that's why the matrix was so crazy that's why that ned stark scene in game of thrones is so crazy and again those are fiction things but it's it's that paradigm shift is exciting it's riveting
1: and but great fiction is is rooted i'm sorry great fiction is rooted in some of these truths right that's what makes it so good because it hits us so deeply even though it's pretend it's not though but it is hey i'm so i'm someone
0: and not to get off on some religious conversation but i'm someone who's not been religious for most of my life. There was a period when I was a teenager where I, I got pretty involved with the church, uh, Christian church, to be clear, but, um, but didn't didn't stick with that at all. Um, and have been, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I want to say atheist because in the end, I admit that I don't know. So maybe agnostic is a better word mm-hmm. for it, right? Um, but it was actually this series of fantasy books called the Mistborn Trilogy uh, that I read last year that completely changed how I thought about faith and not faith in Christianity per se, but just the power of faith. But it's a, I mean, it's a fantasy book about people who drink metal. and push, I mean, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like it's ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean, I, I love it. It's a great fantasy series, but it's not, it's not in any way realistic. However, the lessons that it includes about the power of faith and the value of faith, right resonated with me a ton right and i did not that's not why i read that yeah. book you know what i mean or those books like i read it because i wanted to read about people drinking metal
1: <laughs> yeah and, and, but i think that what makes it great is those other things you know it, it, you read just mm-hmm. about the drinking metal and it's a little stiff and it's yeah it was cool but the matrix wouldn't be the matrix without the paradigm shift or without the impact of those I, things the human yep. things um i'm a huge fan of the mcu and have loved all we've watched my family's watched all those movies and You know, when Iron Man, spoiler alert, when Iron Man snaps his fingers because of the character arc, because of the human elements, you care. I cared, you know, Yeah. and it's fake. It's a man in an iron suit flying around. And but I cared. I cared about the impact. I cared about all of it. And that's a testament, I think, to what Marvel's done with fiction and some of these other ones have done with fiction is that they've Mm -hmm. built real stories, human stories into it and human narratives into it. And they package it. It's all packaging. That's superhero packaging. Oh. There's like the Hobbit packaging. There's the fantasy packaging with the metal drinking, which please don't do that at home. <laughs> Even the liquid variety, especially the liquid variety of metal. Do not drink it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Tide Pods. No. Don't do mm-hmm. that.
1: Or bleach. Um. I feel like we should mention <laughs> yeah, bleach.
0: Yep. Yep. Or, yeah, yeah. or uh, just generic uh, disinfectants. Yeah.
1: yeah. Don't do those. Public service. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really what the walk shows rooted in mm-hmm. is public. That's stuff. good. That was good. Yeah. Every yeah. so often you got to break in and just make sure we help people out.
0: <laughs> all right, so so we've gone through the first five steps. The last <laughs> walk, one are you are ready
1: to wrap it up with me. Fair, no, yeah, no I no, get I, it. Dude. I'm ready to wrap it up with me too. I, I've, yeah, I only go so long on myself before I don't know. Got to go to sleep. No, stuff. no I'm,
0: I, it's good. I, I I'm I going on segue I mean, or go I,
1: on just little rabbit holes, and I'm all too happy to go with you. So.
0: Oh, no, on, I mean, honestly, yeah, my whole life is rabbit holes, man. So, um so yeah, we're 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 doing great. I
1: just find stuff interesting uh, and you know, fun. So,
0: same, same, and well, and I, I honestly, and this is probably the listeners probably do not care at all about this, but oh, I will say, like, already,
1: so go for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just you and me now, maybe. um, but no, like, I, I definitely have, I've, I, I definitely do sometimes on 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 the show as the host, like. I'm constantly worried about the other person's time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, how much are they getting out of this? And and I will talk for a very long time. Um, so I, 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 I have found sometimes that I think I kill conversations maybe a bit prematurely. Um, so it didn't mean to do that. No, no, I, no, I, I, I was I,
1: just giving you a hard time. I thought we were in the tree. We're not. In, okay. <laughs> that was a really bad old school reference uh, for anyone listening. <laughs> It was good. It was good. I liked it. You're my boy, yeah. Blue. So. My boy. <laughs> if only we had more cowbell. I think this would be a rock star situation here. Wow. Wow. Yeah. you really. I just crazy. threw all the Will Ferrell at you at one time. Yeah. Up, yeah. Right? A little mash. Yeah. Little hodgepodge. Sure. We could be living in a van down by the river. You know, we could just go down this. all oh, that's. I know. I know. It's not Ferrell. I understand. But it's SNL. <laughs> there it was a loose connection there. Okay.
0: And well, Ann Farley and Farrell are arguably both famous mostly because they shout. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now to be clear, they're two of my favorite comic they comedian shout people ever. In a funny way. But yeah, they definitely are they, loud.
0: They sure do, yeah. Um, I mean I would say that twenty percent of my character is based off of Chris Farley. So nice. yeah. Nice. And then probably another twenty percent is like a mix of Larry David and Seinfeld. Um and then the rest of it's probably bad things. So we'll just go with the 40% yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, stick on that part. It's up to the listener to figure out which is which. <laughs> all or right, long at home, people.
0: So <laughs> Someone's keeping <Yeah>. score. <laughs> um, all right, so last the last step we had was seek first to understand, then to be understood, which is basically listen, right? Learn yeah, to that's listen. basically
1: it. And I think there's a big factor here of – reciprocity comes into play and again you can't do these things he says it in the other book he talked about um how to win friends and influence people you can't do these things effectively and and go down this rabbit hole if you are trying to manipulate it just ends up falling short there's got to be authentically what you're trying to do Uh, that said when you do listen there tends to be an opportunity for reciprocity uh, where someone would actually be more willing to hear what you have to say Right mm-hmm. but if that's your actual goal and your goal is not to hear them then it ends up being muddy and I think you don't end up getting right. the result you want. So you kind of get the result you want by doing the by going the other path because then they f- in but you kind of can't worry about the outcome. Right? You have to kind of do it because you want to understand.
0: Yeah, you have to be genuine and you're you're absolutely right. And how to win friends and influence people, like I said earlier, it's a book on empathy, but it's not so the reason I didn't read it for so long is because I thought it was a book on how to trick people. The title is pretty <laughs> terrible. It is.
2: Before
0: you read it. Right, but actually the title couldn't be more accurate. Yeah. It is yeah. how you win friends and influence people. But it's not through manipulation or at least not through um, a an evil sort of manipulation. Or
1: something like that. It, yeah.
0: yeah, it's through genuinely giving a shit about the other person. Yeah. And then guess what? reciprocity comes into play mm-hmm. now they will care and now you get relationships and now you get um mutual benefits you know what i mean yeah. now you get win right for so sure
1: this happens uh, in uh, facebook land a bit uh with me in that sometimes you get into these sort of you're trying to build a group and you're trying to build a following and all this kind of stuff for for some kind of strategic reason and if you're not careful you can try to start to do things that are not manipulative but you can sort of you sort of think about what you're doing from that strategic point of view, right? Right. And so what you have to guard against, I think what I've found is that you want to just do the right things. And what always helps me is, and again, this helps me because I fall victim to it, is do the things without expectation of anything past what you're doing. So you're doing the thing because you think it's the right thing. And that has freed me to make comments or offer things to people or do things to people because sometimes they probably perceive it incorrectly, but I know in my mind and my heart when I'm doing this kind of thing and I'm in that space where I'm actually able to not just be reacting. And so I know I'm consciously thinking about it. I'm like, no, do that because no matter what they perceive, this is what you're doing and this is why you're doing it and it's the right thing. And whatever the outcome is is whatever the outcome is. But again, my character, not theirs. If I don't do it, that's on me, right?
0: That's gonna say. It's exactly the homeless person thing you were talking about earlier. Where Right. And so – the money on drugs that was them not you.
1: right and so i do those and i I, okay i try to do the things in facebook world and otherwise that are just purposefully the right things for people because they're the right things for people you know Mm it's like oh well if walker wants to have me on a show great cool but you don't go try to like promote my thing or like manipulate or be the wrong kind of. it's like no i genuinely have a good conversation with walker that's what i want to do i'm interested in this book i think it can bring value to people and you know, I don't know, I think sometimes that gets taken wrong, but you just can't worry about the outcomes, you know,
0: yeah, well, the, now we're now we're back to the the spheres of influence and what you can actually control and what you can't, right. and it's like in the end, you can't pick how other people are going to interpret mm-hmm. things. you can put your best foot forward and make earnest attempts that's 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 all you can do, right. and maybe you can get better at at positioning and maybe you can get better at. It helping people to understand where you're coming from through better communication or more effective communication. But at the end of the day, you still only can pick what, what you do. Right. right? You can't pick what people are going to say, react, think how they're going to respond anything. So, um, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. And in honored. Facebook,
1: you know, a lot of times everybody's trying to promote their podcast or this or that, and you go to these conferences and it's like, well, I want you to listen to my show. And again, it's this whole, Expectation of you're wanting something from somebody, and I think that's where, ironically, I've been in sales for a while, sales engineer, and ironically, when you're trying to get something from somebody, and not just exclusively focused on what can you do for them without an expectation of something back, you know, it's ironic because what happens is you end up helping them. That's what sales is all about, really, like the real kind of sales, right? Yes. Is helping people solve a problem. And and that, yeah. would, that would entail is, okay, if, Walker, I realize this doesn't solve your problem say, you know what, this doesn't sound like what you're would fit and do what you actually need to do. However, I think this would over here, not in my bag of tricks, not my commission, not whatever, would be a perfect solution for you because what's my uh, objective in that situation? To help you whatever way I can without expectation of something back. And so if I'm doing that – then that's going to come back to me tenfold. But again, that's an abundance mentality thing. That's letting go of that scarcity mindset. There's a lot of things kind of baked into that to have the courage to do that. Because if you live in a scarcity place, you're going to always be looking for that transactional, what do I get back? Right. Right. Because fear of not being able to get enough back or there's not enough out there for everybody to win and that kind of thing.
0: Well, and and I would argue though, maybe, um, maybe argue is not the right word, but what what do you think about the idea of it, – it, it ultimately is still transactional, even if what you're extracting is simply the feeling of knowing that you tried to do right by the person. Like, you're still extracting a value from it. Does that make sense? Like,
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've wrestled with this since I've been younger – I remember when I was a kid, I told my mom like, and exactly, it's funny you said this because I think we have a lot more in common than you think. But um, that even when you do something altruistically, that there's a selfishness there. But yeah, you know, again, that's when that's the benefit, and the other person is benefiting. So I don't know in the real world or the other kind of way. Um, I think if the benefit is exclusively yours, I don't know. I mean, this is something, honestly, I've been thinking through during this conversation to sort of unpack um, because there is a distinct difference. And I used to definitely think uh, that everything was sort of selfishly motivated in some kind of way. Uh But that feeling you know, sitting here thinking about it right now and being put on the spot by you to sort of defend it. Um, <laughs> that feeling is, I think, and I'm really having to figure this out on the spot, but I think the feeling is comes after the transaction. It's sort of like, it's almost like, I don't know, maybe I am, I, it's like that's not in my, I'm not, my goal isn't, I'm not thinking about the feeling. Right. I'm thinking about the other person I'm thinking about.
0: Yeah. But, but, but but that like knowing that that's, what's happening is actually the is what rewards you with the feeling of feeling. And I think the problem actually is actually a problem of language. I think that the problem is, is that the word selfish is tied to a lot of negative things appropriately. So, and so when we use it to describe what you and I are trying to describe it feels like, well, that's not right because there isn't there isn't a negative thing to to, to helping someone else, right? Like that that pure, like, hey, I want to help you, man, and I'm gonna, you know, help you get farther in what you're wanting, and I'm not asking for anything in return. Yeah. It 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 feels wrong to say that that's selfish when we think of it's kind of like the word manipulation. Like the word manipulation has a very strong negative connotation to it. But I mean, really, anytime you communicate with someone and exchange ideas, if I want you to, if I want to convince you of my idea, even if it's not a a hard sale where I, where we're literally going to exchange a thing as a result, I'm, all of the words that I say are technically an attempt to manipulate what you think, but it's not that I'm trying to trick you. It's not that I'm trying to, to, to fool you, or I'm trying to control you. And again, I think it's that the word manipulate is just, it's its a problem of language. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, be. I don't know who to talk to about making more words. <laughs>
1: it could but be. I think we need- yeah. And I mean, I, so Seth Godin talks a bit about how in the end of a sales transaction, you know, obviously in both cases, you're trying to influence somebody to buy something from you, but is it in right. their best interest or not? Right. and right. And so where is the focus? The focus is on you getting the money or focus on them solving the problem. And so, yeah, I don't know how to exactly articulate it, Walker, but I can say and I don't have to convince you of this. You know, we know that when you do something for somebody else, it's the right thing. You feel good about it. Right. Yeah. Versus we know when something we do that our language determines is selfish. Um, It's more of a self-centered act, maybe self-centered. I don't know. Maybe the language is failing us, like you said, in terms of. But yeah. there's a definite difference in terms of being personally focused on my benefit at the expense of you. Versus trying to be out here doing things for you, because I believe that in the long run, doing that for a lot of people will be of benefit to me. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, and, and I think you're absolutely right. And so it it, it is also, um, it's yeah, it unfair maybe is the is the word that comes to mind. But it's it, it it's it's hard to to hold those both at once as being selfish, because you're absolutely right that doing something for someone else and expecting zero in return versus trying to manipulate someone into tricking them into giving you their stuff so that you know those aren't the same you know what i mean it's called both selfish it (laughs) doesn't feel right and i get that i just don't know what other word i don't again that's why i say i think it's a failure of language because i don't know what other. it's on you to create
1: some new vernacular for us so we can clearly (laughs) label this the next time around um I don't know where I heard it. So said, Well, you can't use that word that's made up. And then well, all words are made up. So right. I say it's whether it makes it what is Webster's even a thing anymore? It doesn't even matter. You can just make up a word, stick it on the internet, and yeah. it's a real
0: word. I so, I I yeah, urban dictionary. If they pick it up, then I think we yeah, win. Yeah.
1: So. Uh Wikipedia, <laughs> you can put it on Wikipedia and you know you're golden. So that's your uh your homework assignment, I think.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. I'm glad glad I had you yeah, on. I'm you sure you
1: are. are he said sarcastically Um,
0: no me never I met me I met me um (laughs)
1: Um,
0: no I don't again I, I I it's a very valid point that you bring up um I just I guess my point is that I think that people um I think it's easy to get lost in thinking that like well if I'm doing something that makes me feel good then that's selfish and it's like they don't. It can be. How about this? Maybe the maybe the easiest way to kind of tie it back to our other conversation is. I'm just saying that simply that you could it can be win-win. There you go. Like you right something selfish that is also totally hooking someone there else. There you go. Up.
1: Instead of win-lose, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So that's I, that's really all I'm trying to get at. But 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 you're absolutely right. There is a difference between. Well, and to, So you said something about sales and about, like, if it's true sales, what you're trying to do is solve problems, right? Not collect revenue. That's a right. byproduct of solving the problem. <clears throat> um, I probably, it, it seems ridiculous, but, you know, I've, I have a used car, right? So I bought it from a used car salesman because that's who works at the car lot. Um, I thought he was great. I, thought I actually really enjoyed my used car salesman. And not Mm -hmm. because he was was a, a joke or something, but because I was looking for cars. I looked one up online, saw the one I wanted, went to the dealership. Hey, I saw this car. I'd like to test drive it. He takes me on a test drive. He explains things about the car to me. He explains to me, you know, how it relates to other vehicles or, I don't know, just information about it. And then I ended up liking the car from the drive and also from his information and buying it. And a lot of people are like, Oh God, I hate talking to used car salesmen." it's like, but I didn't know any of the stuff that he told. Me, so it was a great experience to me. And yes, I ended up buying from him, but that's not because he tricked me. Yeah. It, it was a real transaction. You know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> well, I think they get a bad rap just because, you know, some of them are pretty pushy, or they, sure. uh, they, they've been fed the line of, you know, well, if they don't buy while they're here, they're not going to come back. And, you know, I mean, that may be true, but again, how much more likely are you to refer him to somebody because he treated you the right way? Yeah. Right. And he was authentic and had you been able to, so yeah, unfortunately used car salesman isn't a, isn't a, a sort of term that's going away anytime soon. Probably. No, um, no, it's not. And, and well, and you know what, I'll even be, I'll
0: even be more transparent. So I had a, an old pickup that I was going to trade in. Right. So he came to me and said, we'll give you, I think a thousand dollars for it. And I said, Oh, well, I've got another buddy who said he wants to buy it for two. So I'll just sell it to him and then come back with that cash and then we'll do the deal. And he was like, well, hold on. And then goes to the back and talks to someone, air quotes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then comes back and he's like, you know what? We were looking online and we found a, a deal. We actually, we can do two for it. Well, I know that that's not real. I know that he just, to your point, doesn't want me to walk off the lot. I'm not mad at him for having his hustle too. You know it's what I It's the saying? game, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, I get it. Everyone's trying to eat and I'm trying to drive this car. So, yeah fine. Like, but I don't begrudge him for that. That's that's the game. So, I don't think he's yeah. an evil person, I guess is my point. You know what I mean? i yeah. a terrible guy um just cuz he, he sold me a used car and did try and lowball me on the trade-in value. And maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I could have said, "I've got like a like <clears throat> 5,000 and you know who knows how high that could have gone." But um I don't know. In the end, I didn't begrudge him any of that. And, uh, thought that he, as a salesman, fulfilled the role of sales, which was to educate me yeah. on the pro
1: And you got your car and you're happy. And I've had
0: it for five years and I've had zero problems. So there you go. I didn't get hustled. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Seems fair to me. Right. Right.
0: through the first five so what is the sixth step in or what is the sixth habit Like you calling them steps but
1: yeah so it's just synergized and again I was kind of rushing through uh, the book and trying to come up with some kind of outline um, but effectively this one is basically the I think more the result of everything up to this point and being able to value that the differences in each other is really the essence essence of uh, synergy, right? So our mental, emotional um, psychological differences in each other that we've gotten to that point where we can really understand each other through seek to understand it, et cetera. Then once we get to that place um, we can actually add value and synergize and get to that more um, higher level, the two of us being more than the sum, right? Um, Because, Right, because the walls are broken down, because the communication is there, because the understanding is there, because we get to the place where we say, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. And so all of that leads to better understanding of each other, and better understanding leads to this place of high trust and high cooperation, Mm. right? And that's where those truly synergistic things can begin to occur. And really start to change, you know, impact the world in a big way, because if you ever do anything big, I don't want to say people can't do anything big. Many, many big things that happen in the world are a result of more than one person. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say everything, right? Like, I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, there may be some cases where an individual can certainly Gandhi. I mean, but even then. Yeah. There's probably people around them. Right. I, you know, but, but, But yeah, there's largely things happen in groups. And I think that to be able to get to that point. Going up these steps, right? having these things in place gets you to a place where you can really, really impact other people and t- together can create something that, you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of my point, I guess, to some extent, with what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the emphasis on competition. So an easy example or a good example, I think, of that is like the way that we glorify Steve Jobs. Um, now, was Steve Jobs a, a good executive? Like, sure, you know. But did Steve Jobs personally invent and develop all of the technology that Apple released starting back in the 80s and up through iPods? And I, no, 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 I didn't fired for <laughs> <laughs> one thing. <laughs> well, true. But just, there's an entire team of people around him, but that's not what we emphasize. We don't emphasize the team at Apple that did X, Y, and Z. No. Instead, we emphasize... Almost through this glorification of competition, like look at Steve Jobs, like he slaughters every, and It's like, no, he doesn't. He works with a whole bunch of people who all collectively came up with this. And I don't mean that he doesn't add value or that having that capacity to be kind of that visionary or to see, you know, the big picture guy, that there's not value in that. Sure, sure there is, but it's, it's not all there is to it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't, it doesn't matter what picture you have if no one will help you make it. You know what I mean? Like,
1: good luck. Uh, no, you couldn't make an iPod by yourself. I mean, right. that's just not possible. <laughs> right, right. You know, yes. And 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 people. And I, from what I understand about him, he was a bit broken too, like all of us, I guess. But but certainly you had some negative uh relationships with people at work etc cetera, etc cetera. um but again i don't know what those deposits and withdrawals look like i don't know what was there what i do know is there were some people that followed him and helped him create that stuff and made it a reality yep um yep and some people got really really rich also with him and i also don't
0: mean to to villainize steve jobs i don't mean that he's a terrible person or deserves no credit or anything either again it's just simply that there's this there's this constant desire for I, maybe to the sensational media I don't know but where we constantly want to find the winner everything is yeah. zero sum thing and it's like it's just not I don't know it's just not the case like it just it, it doesn't go that way um yeah I don't know I just-
1: Yeah but that's that's really where he suggests that the biggest gains can start to happen. And and again, that's kind of the culmination of everything that we've uh, talked about up to this point mm-hmm. is getting to a place where you can create that high trust. You can create a, a degree of cooperation um, through people really being able to work together. And again, we talked about the mastermind group. Maybe that's a place where you get to that place where there's trust and cooperation and mm-hmm. groups of people that could do those things, but without those previous steps, mm-hmm. you don't even feel like I hear you. Um, I don't have the ability to control my responses. Like all those steps along the way breaks things down or at least doesn't allow us to get to that higher level of effectiveness. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of point, right? Is that, yeah, yeah, maybe you're not a bad person. Maybe you don't think I'm awful, but we could have maybe accomplished so much more. Right. Had we learned how to implement some of this stuff and become, you know, better at these habits.
0: Yeah. Become more
1: effective, you might. mean more effective, you might say.
0: <laughs> so then, so those are the top. Things, but it's the book is called the seven. So what is the seventh?
2: Happening? So
1: the seventh is really just about. He calls it sharpening the saw. Okay, and that's really about. And I won't dig in too deep. I know we've we've got anybody listening still. Um, I don't want to like give them. So they're in for the ride. Yeah. All right. All right. So this is really just about renewing what he calls the four dimensions of your nature, Mm. which is the physical... The social and emotional, the spiritual and the mental. And so that um, – and I don't want to trivialize that chapter. There's a lot there. There's a lot in, in the introduction. There's a lot There's a lot of meat all over the place that I didn't even touch on or that we didn't even touch on. But it's packed. I mean it's one of those books you'll take a highlighter and you'll just dog-ear the hell out of it, honestly. It's just so much there. Um, with the quadrants and the circle of influence, all those things are like – the diagrams alone are just powerful and, yep. and impacting, but the end of, of it is, you know, I think this idea that you're going to continually, you're you're conti- you're continu- you're work in progress, and you're always going to be a work in progress, and I think that's kind of the point is that this is, yeah, they're stair stepping, yeah, you're trying to move up the ladder, but understanding that you're human, you're fallible, you're gonna mess up, and so it's a it's a more of a cyclical. Let me learn and grow, learn and grow, learn and grow. And you keep going and going and going and you get better over time. So instead of it going just straight up linearly, it's probably more sort of circular up the chain as you kind of fall down a bit and make some mistakes and whatever. But he he does want to make sure you prioritize like the physical aspect and the mental aspect. Um, And again, a lot of the stuff in the book, like with the having time to prioritize what's important, some of that stuff helps facilitate it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's all about just the renewal of yourself really. Yeah, I really I really like the idea of there being kind of four
0: areas cuz you know everyone I, I, the the cliche is mind body soul or mind body spirit or whatever right. <clears throat> I I like that he added a fourth um in you know the emotional or social element of it. Um I guess I've kind of always bundled that with spiritual but they are actually different, right? Um yeah, cuz one is more about you know, I mean, obviously spirituality can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but I think ultimately it kind of comes down to the, the faith word, whatever, Mm -hmm. and whatever Mm -hmm. that faith is in. And, and that's different than, than, yeah, your emotional state with people or your social interactions with people. But that's, there's, the thing is, is that if any one of those things gets way out of whack, then it it throws everything else.
1: Oh yeah. They influence each other.
0: Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just, Just yesterday, I got really anxious at work. Um, uh, Confusing things happened. And I thought that I just had no idea what I was doing anymore. And so then I got really anxious about it. It turned out that I was able to work through it. And and I wasn't actually that completely off base. But in that moment, I got anxious. Well, I immediately just went for a walk. Mm. Just instantly. I was like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. And if it's raining, I grab an umbrella. I go in the rain but it's because even though what I'm experiencing is a mental or emotional kind of thing going and doing that physical action will help bring those other things back into balance a bit. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's, they're definitely all very much tied tied together and very much all need to be tended to at all times.
1: Yeah. I used to go on walks um, quite frequently. I have a strong advocate of that. maybe, without even thinking about the book or any um, sort of language about it, you just kind of know. And that's what I think is great about some of these books is that they help you articulate or have a frame of reference or language or ways of thinking. And some of it is definitely brand new, but it resonates and it sticks with you because it just, it makes sense to you. Right. right? It's like, yes, I get how I, that makes total sense. Thank you for verbalizing that. Thank you for articulating that, researching that, mm-hmm. giving me examples of that working um, because I've always kind of danced around it or had some I know going for a walk helps me well maybe that's a renewal maybe that's you finding a space for to be able to have that proactivity mm-hmm. and and not re- react in a certain way right right and so there's some things that you kind of have innately figured out but maybe didn't quite articulate the same way
0: yeah no absolutely that's true I mean that's that's been my experience with that range book as well like I was talking about is it's it it's and I think that's why I've been so so enamored with it is that it it, it what you just said. Is exa- it's articulated things that I've kind of thought, but maybe didn't know how to, yeah, articulate. I don't. I don't know a better word than articulate. I didn't know how to form fully to explain or describe. Um And here, this guy has done a ton of scientific research to articulate and explain all of it. You know what I mean?
1: That's one. Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing to me about this whole. I would call it personal development, but is that. You get the benefit, you know, instead of this whole, well, I don't know, it's hokey or whatever, you get the benefit of Stephen Covey spending countless hours and hours and hours digging into something, culling it down, validating it, putting it into a condensed version for you to digest and interpret and resonate with and highlight and make sense of. And so, wow, the power of that across multiple books, across multiple weeks, months, years, to be able to pull from people who are very, very bright and took it upon themselves to study a thing for sometimes their entire life. Right. And to bring that to you in a way that you can just sort of take, wow. I mean, that's how you can really catapult and get some leverage. Right. By learning. Right. Yeah. If you had to live, figure everything out yourself, you'd never be able to get that far.
0: Right. Well, I would be fine.
1: But- well, you, you did sure. more. Everybody I'd else. Give you.
0: Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Well, I got to say, I mean, I I've had this book like it's been bouncing around in my head because again, like after the how to win friends and influence people experience, I was like, I bet that book is better than I think it is, too. Um, And yeah, after this conversation and again, I understand you're not selling it (laughs) like there's no you. I don't get any royalties. if I I actually read it. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is definitely the next book on my once I'm done with range this will be the next one on the nonfiction list because this all just makes a ton of sense and all just aligns so well with all of the other stuff that I've been learning and reading and contemplating and considering. And um, so, yeah, super cool of you to come on and, and share.
1: Oh yeah, man. And that's the, that's the great thing I love about reading books is that even rereading it now. And I read it before a couple of times, but is that, you know, the whole expression the student or the teacher will appear when the student is ready or I'm completely ruining it, but you know, you you find yourself in different frames of mind or experience in your life. And at a certain point when you read something, it might resonate a different way and yep. it's powerful and it can really and truly, I don't want to, sound hyperbolic but it can actually have a bigger impact on your life than you might think and it's usually not this crazy book did this crazy magical thing it's more it put things into a certain perspective or a certain way and but but that alone can give you the nudge that man it's hard to overstate and so to your point about not caring i know i'm dragging out your your ending here but to the point of you me not caring if you read it I hope that you read it. I genuinely hope that you read it because I know the impact it made on me personally. Right. I think it will make an impact on you. I don't want to have supposition that I know, but it mattered to me. I think it might matter to you in a certain way. And I think that ripple effect, whether it's you telling about the book or just interactions you make or having influence with somebody, I think it does put more positive things into the world. And I think we need more of that.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. And, and uh, you know, i I've certainly have, have not lived by this a hundred percent. But you know, when I, like, when I first started my podcast, the first few episodes I did um, were kind of me critiquing um, society on things, right? Like critiquing people flipping out in traffic and having road rage and, and trying yeah. to advocate ways that you don't have to do that or critiquing, uh, people's feelings about the Super Bowl um, that happened around that because I started in late January. So <laughs> right. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, and after I did a few episodes and realized that that's kind of what I was doing, I was like, you know what? There's already enough critical or and I, negative isn't really a fair word. Cause just cause something is being critical doesn't mean it's negative per se. Sure. Yeah. But there's enough of that out there that I I think it's just gonna be more fun to talk about stuff that I think is cool. So that's that's what I try and do things that I think are interesting to put something else positive out there. Um, And, yeah, clearly you care some. Otherwise, you wouldn't have spent the last nearly two and a half hours (laughs) talking to me about this. Like, clearly you think it's important.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, I told just candidly, Walker, I'll tell you, I told my wife beforehand is that, you know, I feel like this is an opportunity to share something that I learned about, and I don't want to act like I'm an expert because I'm not. They even have a lot of people that with their company that can help people with this, but it did impact me. I think it can impact other people. I wanted to share what I've learned and try to outline some of the stuff in the book and maybe somebody gets interest and share it with people even on our product group because – Those people don't necessarily get to see that side, not of me, but they would never maybe – I've made those connections with them. We have those relationships, but they might not ever bridge that gap and have been impacted by a thing that's affected me in a certain way right? because there's no forum for that in the business transaction relationship really. Right. right Right. so but by doing this like well that's pretty cool well i can share this i can point people to it later on so you should check out this book oh yeah here you want to kind of skip through the episode and get an idea what it's about cool and get to mention a friend of mine's show in the process so that's all win-win for me
0: right right yeah absolutely now here's this is this is more for maybe you and i i don't know who else i don't know who else knows him or how public facing he is But do you think that Eduardo is deeply jealous that he is not on the show? Do you think he's going to listen to this and be like, should have been me? You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, he definitely should have been here um I'm, i i appreciate that you're giving him a hard time i, I really i'm i'm gonna tell me he has to listen to the entire thing yeah because two fifteen mark yeah yeah oh he dropped off a long time ago i don't need to listen to any of this um he's already got it figured out now eduardo is is a co-founder and also a good friend and so anyone listening we're just uh, giving him a hard time. That's all. And and believe me, he would be happy to give me a hard time, but he doesn't have the microphone.
0: That's, so that's right. That's why I said I wonder if he's just, jealous. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's uh, you know it's just something he's gonna have to live with, isn't right. it? Yeah. yeah. About the pretty girl, so bad,
0: right? How's that feel? You know. Come up with your come
1: up with your own book. You know what I mean? Do <laughs> your own outline. Yeah. Um, and outline maybe you can get on a show.
0: <laughs> oh, this is so unfair! I love it so much. I know.
1: I know so much. It's so great that he can't talk back right now. He can't defend it because he would want to. And if he's listening right now, oh, it's oh, yeah. He sends me an email, I delete it. You know what I mean? I don't even, I don't have to lie. I'm co founder. (laughs) (laughs) I have to like get on calls with him and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's fine. I'll take it. It's worth
0: it from my position, you know?
1: It's worth it. I'll I'll deal with it. It's worth it. (laughs) that's what guys do right we give each other a hard time but um you know what's funny he'll, he'll be all mad and then he'll go read the book too because he'll actually because he's really he really loves to learn so yeah. he'll he'll be conflicted because he won't want to because of the comments at the end but then he will go read it because he's like committed to learning so he'll be like cousin and screaming while he's learning that's so. hilarious now he's a he was he's a
0: great guy uh, i've met him along with you in orlando obviously and uh, really enjoyed his company. So had, had to give him a little shout out. So
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. He thought it was when I told him I was coming on your show man. he was really, he was really excited. He was stoked.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. He, he was hilarious. And, and he and I actually had more in common than I would have initially thought. Uh, he, we both like anime cartoons, you know, I don't know. Does and Yeah. anime's too broad of a category. Cause there's a lot of really bad anime out there and I don't, I'm not, I'm not that into it, but uh, basically we just like robots and lasers and stuff. So,
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but who doesn't like robots and lasers? But, you know, Eduardo's more of a nerd than you initially suspect.
0: Sure, sure. Which yeah. is funny because he is a programmer. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of the textbook definition.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't come off that way, though. No. <laughs> right? What do you mean? it mean, just, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. Great dude. Eduardo. Great dude. Yeah. Um well, Brent, thank you again so much for taking the time to come on and share about this book. Like I said, I, I definitely am going to add it to my reading list as the next book that I, I read. Um, and yeah, really just can't thank you enough for your time, for for sharing this with the audience and sharing your insight and taking the time to do an outline. Very generous of you. Um, and again, I know you didn't come on to, to plug pot It, but I do want to, to shout out Pod It because again, I've had success with it. Actually, and, and I'll link this in the, in the uh, show notes, but you actually had me on for a live stream event on Facebook mm-hmm. for potted. Uh, so we've got another interview if people are and, and really there talk more about Pod it. So if people are interested in, in that, I'll, I'll link that as well. Um, but yeah. And anything else you'd like to say ab- about the platform or anything?
1: No, I mean, we just, we position ourselves as the best way to connect for your next interview. Yep. And really if you're interested in maybe starting your own podcast, I would say go out there and be a guest first. Because there's zero commitment in long term. Um, you'll have to obviously learn a little bit about mic technique, so you can stick your toe in the water. And uh, and one of the nice things about the platform is you can go on there, find some podcasts looking for guests, and you can go do that. It's kind of cool. Um, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, so you know, and I I actually just interviewed a guy a, a few weeks ago who um he has a YouTube channel, and he's you know relatively new at that. He doesn't have a huge audience, and he had been wanting to find a podcast to go on to have a, a more long form discussion about, you know, that something he's interested in and, and had reached out to several podcasters and, and, you know, he only knew some big name ones and they don't respond. Cause no, mm-hmm. um, and he, ended up, a close friend of mine ended up messaging him and then they had that conversation and then my friend referred him to me and, and then we ended up recording together. But my point with all of that long winded story is that, even if you're not going to be a podcaster, if you think you would like, like you just said to be on a podcast, maybe pod, it's a great resource to, to also find podcasts that you can be on that aren't not every, and uh, there are some very successful and, you know, well, yeah. but not every podcaster, it's not like
1: Joe Rogan's and these exactly. kinds of things that you have no chance at getting on. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. So, um, so yeah, definitely useful. Well, again, Brent Basham, thank you so much for joining the show. Appreciate your time, man.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I had a lot of fun, Walker. Thanks. Awesome.
2: in his hands changed another on a glance of gold. A ghost towns buried on a and glass a windows broken stories untold childly memories drift in the wind over oh, signs dying in the fathers, and lifelong friends become layers of the mountain's fast Our castles came crashing down. Stone by stone, they fell to the ground. Brick and mortar eaten by her
0: folks. Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you again so much to Brent Basham for stopping by to talk about the seven habits of highly effective people. And again, if you're someone who's interested in, in podcasting or you're already a podcaster, or if you'd like to be a guest, um, obviously you can always hit me up <laughs> to come on the walk show, but I cannot suggest potted enough. It's a really cool platform. Uh, and I really am impressed with, with what they're doing and the service that, that it provides. Also, of course, I want to again, thank Misha's Aaron's providing the music for today's show. Um, really, really appreciate that always. And last but not least, of course, thank you, listener, for listening to the episode today. I also invite you to listen to my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters, and we're talking about video games largely. Um, we do talk about tabletop games and, and, and that sort of thing once in a while as well. But instead of just talking about news and reviews and current events, which we do cover, we really also try and tap into why gaming matters and what the emotional connection to gaming is and do that through sharing stories both past and present so if you like long-form conversations and you have any interest in gaming at all i think you'd really enjoy pick up your sticks it can be found on all podcast platforms so wherever you listen to the walk show you can listen to pick up your sticks too thanks again for listening stay up have a great week